0: Business and Buckets, we are live, baby, episode 57, and we have a jam-packed show. We got power rankings, contenders versus pretenders in the NFL, go through the uh, new college football playoff rankings, a little bit of reaction there as we enter conference championships before the bowl games and uh, official playoff is locked in. And man, my hands are on fire as the stove is hot, as we have the most active free agency from baseball with the lockout looming and the deadline actually happening tonight. Uh, So lots of action to cover. But before we talk sports, we're going to talk Fueled Supplements, the one and only sponsor here at Business End Buckets. Well, do you guys have trouble sleeping? Do you wake up groggy, not feeling like you've even rested? Do you toss and turn at night? If so, it's time to get knocked out. It's back. The market's leading advanced sleep and recovery formula Knocked Out is now in stock with the facelift. It has two new flavors and an improved ingredient profile. You can experience an unreal night's rest with an all-in-one sleep formula that helps with superior recovery, muscle repair, pain relief, and anti-inflammation. Helps you fall asleep faster, sleep deeper, and wake up feeling more refreshed. Regular depressive and sedative actions critical for relaxation. It helps decrease stress and anxiety, manages cortisol and adrenaline reset but also increases growth hormone production. You get two delicious flavors to suit your needs. Uh, watch your sleep improve, mood improve, productivity improve, and your life improved with Knocked Out. Save some cash when you use codes, uh, my promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off at checkout when you go to fueledsupplements.com. Once again, promotion code BUCKETS, B-U-C-K-E-T-S. And I'll tell you guys what, I use this as well. As part of my supplement stack, it really helps me sleep. I typically find myself tossing and turning and, and, and really not being able to just stay in place and sleep. If I'm working out, I stick to my routine. Routine. I use Knocked Out. I get the best sleep. I fill up, you know, whether I had four hours of sleep, five, six, seven hours of sleep. I take Knocked Out. I feel refreshed and ready to kick the day's ass. So check it out. Again, if you're buying fuel supplements, uh, you know, it's a small company. People helping people. That's what it's all about. And it's a good time right now as there's lots of different savings. Just had Black Friday, Cyber Monday, um, and everyone has health goals for the New Year. I know I do. I've been slacking. Got to get my shit back together. But let's talk NFL is there's a bunch of headlines around the league Uh, from here on out for the remaining of the regular season. I'm going to cover an AL or an AL, an AFC and an NFC team, a little deep dive like I was doing baseball teams earlier in the season. Um, and I have contenders and pretenders and updated power rankings, which you see power rankings everywhere. You know, the big thing I do with the power rankings for me is cool. Where are the teams today? But also how does it set up them for the end of the year? Do They have a bunch of injuries, people on COVID, you know, they're probably going to be further down in my power rankings than maybe what you see in others. As a Steeler fan, brutal news, TJ Watt on the COVID list. I don't know, man, uh, it, it, no one really knows if he's you know, actually got positive on COVID, if it was a close contact. There's a bunch of players in the league this week that are on the COVID list. But if he doesn't play this week, it could potentially be the Steelers' season. They could afford a loss here and pretty much have to win out the rest of the season. But at home against your divisional team, after getting blown out by another divisional team, this is a must-win game. And you don't have the most powerful man on, on defense, the highest-paid defender in the league, Things look dreary. So huge, huge potential loss for the Steelers. It could be a quick turnaround, but the odds from what I'm seeing right now don't look highly that TJ Watt suits up on Sunday in the big rivalry game. Kevin Byard on the COVID list for the Titans. They are on the bye week, so he should be back beforehand. But if not, that's a huge loss for them. You know, they've already been dealing with a lot of offensive injuries. He's a huge piece in the backfield, so you know, they're going to be looking to be getting him back before the, the uh, uh, next game after their bye. But if he is out, that's just another piece and domino that you have to put into, um, you know, situation, especially if you're doing pick or what you know, eliminators, whatever you got going on. Uh, the Panthers' CMC, Christian McCaffrey, is out for the year. Um, you know, he was on the IR, came off, got hurt, went back in, got hurt again. And with the situation that they have, they've done a lot of moves to try to be competitive this year. Um, I think they're set up more for the, the year after and so on. But at the end of the day, they, they need a quarterback. Um, it's probably a good thing Christian's not putting his life out on the line. Not necessarily his life, but, you know, as a running back that's had so many carries, is so involved with an offense, it takes a lot of beating on you. Probably good that he's out for the year. Um, the Panthers, their season's pretty much doomed. Um, the QB search is going to continually move on after we saw poor play from Cam Newton. And honestly, are you surprised? Cam Newton isn't playing well. I'm not too surprised. The, the, the perfect matchup back in Carolina seemed to be so good last week and too good to be true, and it, it surely is. Uh, but I had picked them as a surprise sneaker playoff pick uh, with the injuries. Uh, you know, I did not expect that, obviously, but they are falling off the map, and it's going to be hard for them to win games the rest of the year. They uh, The Panthers have also put Dante Jackson on the IR, not season ending, but a great defender, a great defensive back that's played great football for them. You know, they obviously added Stephon Gilmore, they added a lot of names, but it's a brutal loss for them with with Mr. Dante Jackson. What a stud he is. Uh the Rams owner Stan Kroenke settles a lawsuit with St. Louis over a relocation settlement for $790 million. Obviously, they're in SoFi in L.A. with the Chargers, the biggest stadium in football. Um, probably some logistics that didn't get worked out. He's having to pay St. Louis a shit ton of money. Props to them for getting that. Uh, I'm sure there was something that wasn't meant to be done that was ha- that happened in this transition. Um, but yeah, tough for, for St. Louis. So Stan cranky. I don't know how to say his name. I think it's Kronky, Uh Having to pay a fat check to St. Louis. Uh, Daniel Jones out this week with the next strain, Danny Dimes. Uh, So the Giants have signed Jake Fromm onto their team for potential quarterback depth. Um, Danny Dimes has had an up and down season. The Giants have in general. This was really the prove it season for Danny Dimes. So hopefully he gets back in there soon. Could, you know, muster up a good second half. They fired Jason Garrett. Potentially he was the issue. So, you know, the offense is figuring its way, but... At this point, it's going to be hard to see Danny Dines back as a you know starting franchise quarterback for the Giants. Let's say there's no better options. I like the guy. I think he hasn't had a you know a tremendous setup, but the the play has to improve. The turnovers have to stop. And now you have an, an, an injury, it just doesn't help your cause in the NFL. Uh, Philip Lindsay clearing waivers after being cut by Houston. The Dolphins swoop him up. They have the. Washington Husky ex-backfield with uh, Ahmed and Gaskin. So they add Lindsey in there, another speedy back that can get some play. And the Dolphins are on the up and up a little bit. They're starting to look better. Chua's uh, healthy. The weapons are getting healthy. They still have no fuller. But hey, um, they're moving in the right directions. Add some running back depth. Brutal news for an AFC contender. The Buffalo Bills star lockdown corner. Tredavious White tears his ACL uh, the Super Bowl, you know, hopes are are definitely hurt with that. When you got a lockdown corner, that just schematically sets up your defense for a complete different level of football. So he tears his ACL. That's just a tough, tough loss for them. Uh, you know, I, I hate seeing teams not being able to enter the postseason as healthy as can be. And they even have the most uh, important game for them in Buffalo this week against the New England Patriots. And no Tredavious White. So you know his heart's broken. I feel for the Buffalo fans in Buffalo. Brutal loss. When I saw that, my gut my gut dropped a little bit. Some IR moves. There have been an influx of players activated off the IR. As you probably heard the past few weeks, this guy's on the IR. This guy's on the IR. Which things have changed. It's a three-week minimum once you're on the IR now. Uh, but there's been an influx of guys that are now on the IR, um, which is a three-week minimum. So, Everson Griffin having the issues that he's had will be on IR. That's still a big piece for that Minnesota Vikings defense. Uh, A.J. Brown on IR, probably the biggest one of all moves. I mean, this guy is at this point, I mean, pretty much the Titans offense, right? Uh, They had the backup running backs have a decent game this week, but he is the focal point of that passing offense, and it's going to be a tough few weeks without him and Henry. You know, there's a projected timeline of henry but with the surgery the kind of load and wear and tear he puts on his body it's hard for me to believe that he's going to return that quick but he's king henry he who fucking knows so hopefully aj brown could do the same he could come back right after that three weeks uh because they set themselves up good early in the year they could afford to lose a few games you know obviously you want the higher seed but they could still get into the playoffs you lose a few games you get aj brown back you get derrick henry back three or four weeks from now you're, you're in a position where nobody wants to fuck with you. I'll tell you that much. Uh, Michael Carter on IR for the Jets. The Jets, back to some gloom. Um, it's not like the Jets are fighting for a postseason about here. Michael Carter's done enough to prove himself within that team. Uh, but hopefully this isn't a cause of concern. Hopefully he could stay healthy through his tenure with the Jets. Uh, Eric Ebron on IR for the Steelers. Big free agent that they had signed a couple years ago. Two-year contract. Why he's still even on the team, to be honest, blows my mind. Pat Fryermuth has emerged as one of the best hands, one of the best weapons for the Steelers. Uh, Zach Gentry does way better at blocking. Ebron couldn't block a cold if he wanted. Uh, so the fact that he's even on the team uh, getting snaps, even when he came back, was a little shocking. I don't wish you know an injury upon anyone, but his future um, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, his days there are passed over, and potentially in the NFL is this, you know, I, I don't know who's really going to want to invest into him, uh, but wish him the best. Tough loss uh, for him for the Steelers, not so much. I'd rather have Fryar Muth with more catches than not. Um, Jack Conklin just activated off the IR for the Browns. Ends up tearing his patella tendon. Will be out for the year. I mean, this is a huge piece of that offense. When they run so, you know, lean so heavily on the run, yeah, Baker beat up. You have all the issues that you have throughout the season. This is a huge piece. They were excited to have him back. Brutal loss for them. It's just going to be a tough year for them. Uh, I don't see them making the postseason. They're going to be close. I don't see him making the postseason as of now. The shiny toy that um, Urban Meyer had acquired, tight end Dan Arnold, back to the IR. Not expected to be season-ending, but still a tough loss for them. They've they made him a focal point on the offense. He's typically getting six to eight targets, getting 70 yards or so in a game, and you know their offense hasn't moved the ball very well. So th- th- those are key yards that they're going to be missing. Uh, but they do have uh, Shagassi back from the IR, but still tough loss for the Jaguars. Even bigger loss: Dalvin Cook with the tor- uh, tore his labrum and separated his shoulder. Uh, expectation is like a couple years ago with the shoulder injury. he's going to miss uh, they're saying at least the next two weeks potentially come back um, as they try to make a run for the postseason. they're right in the thick of things., uh, the sooner they could have him back, the better. but they have little Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, who's done really well in his um you know absence throughout his career. So I expect that not to be a huge drop off for the team. But if you want to make the postseason, it's it's better to have them both. As great as Alexander Madison is, he ain't no Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is a dog, man. He is a dog, and they need him back. I'm sure he's a leader in that locker room as well. Um, So I guess he might be on the IR. I haven't seen a placement there yet. They might not have him off. But yeah, not an easy injury when you you lean heavily on physical contact. You're leading with those shoulders. That's it for um, news around the league. But I wanted to bring up some stat leaders. I always like looking at the stat leaders as we get further through in the season, seeing who's really showing out. Sometimes you get surprised. You don't watch teams to play every week. And it's good to see what's happening. Then we'll talk standings. We'll talk the games, how I picked last week, what we have forecasted for this week. And then we'll move right on into college football. Um, But offensive leaders, Derek Carr is actually leading the league in passing yards. He probably has since early in the season he started out hot. Um, obviously they've lost Henry Ruggs Darren Waller is now week to week so they're they're missing pieces as the season goes on um, but he, he he's he's done well in that offense he's to me always been a, a pretty good performer and he gets a lot of flack and a lot of harsh criticism that I think is a little over overzealous in my opinion but he leads the league with 3400 yards. We have Tom Brady no surprise in second with all those offensive weapons. Matt Stafford in third, Justin Herbert in fourth, and Pat Mahomes in fifth at 3,200 yards. So they're over a 3,000-yard mark. Um, And with the extra week, uh, extra game, these guys, you know, pacing pretty well, potentially have 5,000-yard seasons. Um, But Tom Brady's probably trajectorying better. Justin Herbert, Matt Stafford, and Derek Carr have definitely lowed down a little bit. And Pat Mahomes on his way up. The Chiefs offense is pretty much rolling at this point. And obviously, he had somewhat of a tough start. Sticking with the offense, we look at the running leaders. No surprise here Jonathan Taylor with 1,205 yards, clearly the leader in, in rushing yards. We haven't had a lot of bell cow running backs, a lot of out, outstanding RB1 situations. There's more than ever running back by committees. Um, the other guy that was the 1A, B, and C option, Derrick Henry, obviously out, but he's still second. He has 937 yards. Joe Mixon putting together a healthy season in that offense is putting together quite a year at 924 yards. Nick Chubb, although he's missed a couple weeks in fourth at 867 and then Dalvin Cook's fifth was 773. Obviously he's going to be out and going to fall down that list, but those are your top dogs. I mean, these are all guys that we expected to show out this year. So I'm not too surprised. I guess let me look and see who's sixth. Uh, Zeke Elliott, who's also battling injuries. Seventh is Antonio Gibson eighth Najee Harris, so I can see Najee or Antonio um, ending up with the fifth spot as as the season continues, and then receiving, I mean, Cooper fucking Cup, what a stud, what a season, 1,237 yards already thus far to lead the way, and you already know we're going to have these guys right there, Devontae Adams second, Justin Jefferson third, Debo who's going to be out for some time, fourth, and then Cheetah, Tyree Kill at fifth, just under a 1,000 at 932 yards. Um, and then sixth, we have Jamar Chase. Really good hot start to the year. He's been cooling off. Keenan Allen actually really picking up lately as Mike Williams hasn't had quite the volume and the yards that he had early in the season. So I could see uh, Keenan Allen being right up there. Uh, Debo missing a few weeks. He's going to slip. Uh But what a player Debo's been. I knew he was a stud in college, but the physicality he brings, he's pretty much a running back also within their offense. Um, So, you know, all those hits he's taken has cost him at this point. But uh, it's great to see him. A lot of young names there. A lot of young names in the running back. um, And then a couple young guys and some vets for the QBs. And then let's give the defense some love, man. We got Bobby fucking Wagner, man. Still... And still, leading the league at 31 years old with 128 tackles. We talk about this guy a lot. Denzel Perryman for the Raiders with 121 in second. Uh, Foisade Olukin, who we've, you know, I never knew his name. I thought it was a cool name. We know his name now. He has 119 tackles on the Atlanta defense. Raquan Smith, always a beast. Uh, No Khalil Mack. He's stepping up for the leader of the Bears defense, who always have a good defense. And then another Seahawk. That defense has been on the field. They're still on the field in that Washington game. I mean, they're getting out-possessed by like 20 minutes a game. They're holding the ball barely for 20 minutes a game. So Jordan Brooks, to round out the top five uh, with 113. He's actually tied with uh, Raquan Smith at fourth. And right behind them, Eric Kendricks, the tackling machine for Minnesota, is your top five. For sacks. This one's always interesting for me because I want TJ to do better than Miles. I want to, he, he deserves a defensive player of the year award in his career as he's, you know, basically lost to the popularity contest of Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald. Uh, but miles Garrett's in the lead with 14 TJ Watt, although he's missed a couple games at this point, looks like he's going to be out again. It's going to be hard to catch him. He's got 12 and a half, uh, Matthew Judon coming from Baltimore to new England's been a, just a seamless fit into that defensive rotation. He has 11 and a half Robert Quinn with 11 and then Nick Bosa, you know, a Bosa's got to be on there with 11. These guys all getting double digit sacks this far. And then interceptions, you could assume the leader as he had well, like six straight games, seven games with the pick. Uh, but Trevon Diggs with eight interceptions, JC Jackson, the interception leader over the past few years in second with seven, Jordan Poyer with five, Kevin Byard with five, Amani Arjouai out of uh, the Lions out of Detroit with five. You also have Xavier McKinney out of the Giants with five for those DBs in the secondary. But a lot of familiar names, some newcomers. Alukin, uh, you got uh, Amani Arwari, right? right? Some names on here that we're not typical seeing. Debo being top five in the receiving. Uh, So it's been a fun season to start this year. I mean, we look at the standings. The fact that the Patriots are on top, I think I had predicted them at 10 wins, so they definitely overperformed my expectation. And a lot of people want to say they're, you know, top dog contender. Contender. You've already heard my takes here on business and buckets. I think that you need to pump the brakes there. They're a good, solid team, uh, a mistake-free team, uh, you know, bread and white offense, run the ball, don't make mistake offense, solid defensive team, good lines on both sides of the ball, but they don't have those playmakers, Right. Mac Jones, you need a huge third down. Who are you going to, right? When you're playing the Chiefs offense in the playoffs, how are you going to keep scoring with them? I just don't see that happen. I don't think they're a top team. They'll be in my pretender category once we get there. But that's crazy. They're 8-4 over the Bills. The, the The Dolphins, who had started so poorly, are now 5-7. and seven. They're, they're inching their way towards 500. And the AFC North, I mean, we knew this would come down to the wire. I had expected two or three teams to make the playoffs here. It's going to be close. The way I see the rest of the season shaking out every week, I'm doing that ESPN playoff machine. If you don't play with that, I highly recommend checking it out. Usually after week, 11 or 12 each year, you could just type in ESPN playoff machine and you could pick the games the rest of the year. It'll give you what the playoffs would be the tiebreakers and everything. And the Ravens are a top at eight and three. They've won a ton of close games. They've had a ton of injuries. I think it's going to catch up to them. You have the Bengals surprisingly at seven and four the Steelers, are uh, the Browns at 6-6, six and six, and the Steelers at 5-5-1. Five, five and one. I mean, it's a crapshoot. It's going to be a fun finish for this division and see who really makes it. For the AFC South, you'd expect the Colts and Titans to be right there. The, the Titans without King Henry still at 8-4 over the 6-6 six six Colts. But the Colts looking good, especially with that run game. Solid defense. That's a playoff, a championship-type formula. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play out with, as we've also had hard knocks. Uh, Hard Knocks is on tomorrow. I watched last week's episode just a couple days ago. Uh, It's been a lot of fun to watch, as that's a good storyline and could potentially be a sneaky playoff Super Bowl team, so watch out. And then the AFC West, a lot like the AFC North, very competitive football. Everyone's above 500. You have the Chargers, Broncos, and Raiders at 6-5, and and the Chiefs up on top at 7-4. Moving to the NFC, the Dumpster Fire, NFC East. The Cowboys are leading that at 7-4, 5-6, 5-7, 4-7 Five and six, five and seven, four and seven are the rest of the teams. I only expect one team to make the playoffs here. And then, well, let me double check. I think I only had one team there. I know the Eagles I had potentially in there before. Yep, I have them out. And then in the NFC South, you have Tampa at eight and three. They should have been an easy runner here. I had the Panthers making second in the, in the division, but as it is, it's Falcons five and six, Saints five and six. Panthers 5 and 7. The Jameis Woodson injury. Kamara's coming back. We'll see how healthy he is. The Saints could potentially make a run, but I don't expect the Falcons or Panthers to make a playoff run here. And then the Cardinals leading the NFC West. That was a big surprise for me. I believe I had Niners and Rams up top and the and the Cardinals and Seahawks barely making or barely missing the playoffs. But the Cardinals 9 and 2, winning with Colt McCoy, K1, whoever you're going to have at quarterback. Uh, the Rams obviously having a, a tough stretch, but still at seven and four. The Niners after a crazy season, six and five. They string some wins together. I have them sneaking in, and making the playoffs. And then the Seahawks. I had assumed Russell would come back. Things, would, you know, the Seahawks always find a way. I always pick them to miss the playoffs. I always pick them under, you know, ten wins, and they always find a way. And then I started gaining faith in them. You know, preseason I picked them to miss the playoffs. But Russell Wilson coming back, I'm like, they're going to fucking find a way. They always do. And uh, it's starting to catch up to them. They're not finding a way, especially after that ugly loss to the Washington football team on Monday Night Football Prime Time. But let's look at the the picks that I had this past week. I had a very tough week. Um, I really wanted to make a push to... I don't know. I picked some dogs, and then I, I changed it. I changed it because some of the injuries. I'm always looking at uh, the uh, NBC Sport Edge. It's called. I still like to call it Roto World. It was known Roto World, where you see the player updates. So I made a couple changes, and then those changes ended up killing me. Let's look back here real quick. And it's it's teams that not would be co- you know not games that would be commonly picked. Like I had. The Giants winning this past week, which they did against the Eagles. I switched that and shot myself in the foot. And then I also had... What was the other one? I think it was the Ravens. I think I had the Browns beating the Ravens. And then the Ravens ended up winning. And then I changed it. So tough tough week for me I went 6 and 9 my first this is the worst week of picks I've had on the season maybe week 1 uh, but I'm 99 and 68 on the season so you know heavily doing well there I won my pickums once uh which in my pickums there's so many people you pretty much can only miss one or two games um so tough week on the pickums but before we talk last week's games let's dive into the AFC North kind of surprise team for me the Cincinnati Bengals are seven and four. So as I look at the Bengals at this point, honestly, the Bengals standards and and what we had expected, they're having a breakout season this far at seven and four. Uh, they've been all over the place, though. So they've lost to the Jets. Um, they've lost to the Bears. They've blown out the Steelers. They've blown out the Ravens. They've blown out the Raiders, which look like solid teams. And then injury-wise, they had a scare with linemen last week with Trey Hopkins and Riley Reef, but supposedly they're okay. You know, we won't know until they actually play. Uh, but the only major injury that they've dealt with recently is Trey Waynes, the free agent acquisition in the backfield, uh, of the defensive backfield. And he could potentially be off the IR this week, maybe the, the week after. Um, but other than that, they're listing missing linebackers. Akeem davis Gaithier, who underwent foot surgery, and he'll be out. And then also Jordan Evans, who was placed on IR on October 11th. Um, So he could potentially be back sooner than later. But the big weak spot coming in and what I thought would be the the downfall of them was the offensive line. I figured they'd get brutalized by the AFC North defenses because coming in, it looked like they were all going to have good defenses. And Burrow wouldn't have enough time to find their weapons to succeed. And that has not been the case this far. You know, they aren't a lead leading unit. They're not a top 10 offensive line but definitely serviceable with the left side of their line being a weak point. But according to PFF, you know, if I'm going to look at rankings, PFF is probably the best you could find. They're ranked number 14th overall, but number eight on defense against the pass. Um, and this is the defensive side of things. Their offensive line is ranked 14th. Um, and then the defense has been a huge boom for them. Sam Hubbard has seven sacks. DJ readers played good ball. Larry Oginjobi's played good ball. And then you got the big, big free agent signing, Trey Hendrickson, 10 and a half sacks. Nobody really knew if that was like a one-hit wonder in New Orleans or what, but he's proving that it hasn't been. He's having a breakout season again as he's only a few sacks. You know, Miles Garrett's leading the league with 14. So he's right there in the mix. Um, And then Logan Wilson, baby. Wyoming represent. He's been a beast. He's got 89 tackles, one sack and four interceptions. And this patchwork secondary they put together are a bunch of like cast offs, right? They've performed completely better than I think anyone could expect. Guys like Chidobi Awuzie, who has left from from the Cowboys, ranked 12th by PFF in quarterback rankings. Um, Eli Apple coming from the Giants, right? He was a big time pick that never turned out. Mike Hilton from the Steelers. He's an undrafted guy, a, a undersized guy that brings the physicality, the tenacity. Is a Steelers fan. Brutal, brutal loss. He's number 20. Von Bell in the backfield, uh, number 24 in safeties. And then Trey Waynes, he's not on the team, but he should be coming back. has been better than anyone expected. So the, the secondary, that defensive backfield, has done really well. Um, offensively, Joe Burrow's 11th in the league with 2,935 yards. He has 101.6 rating with 12 picks and 22 touchdowns. So sophomore slump, not a a thing here. Knee injury, not a thing looking good. And then you got Joe Mixon, boomer sooner, baby. Uh, He's having a healthy season, which is huge for them. And that has equaled 924 yards, which is third in the league, like we talked about. He's got 11 tutties. The Bengals have an amazing receiving core. You you look at this receiving core – they got to be one of the best in the league. Uh, you got T. Higgins. You have Jamar Chase now. You obviously already had Tyler Boyd, who who isn't being utilized as as much as I would like to see. If I, you know, if I'm like looking at the team, I want us to the Bengals to do good. I want Tyler Boyd to be more involved. Um, but Jamar Chase nine hundred six yards, eight touchdowns. He is number twenty six according to PFF. Then you have T. Higgins, who's ranked one ahead of him at twenty five. He has 560 yards and three touchdowns. And then, uh, you know, again, a little surprised by this, but uh, Tyler Boyd, 471 yards and two touchdowns, but he's a legit physical receiver, does the dirty work, good blocking receiver. Now you look at the 7-4 breakout season, just blew out the Steelers. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, this is a playoff team. Well, I actually have them not making the playoffs. I have them beating the Chargers and Ravens, but losing to the Niners, Broncos, Chiefs and Browns at the end of the year in Cleveland to just miss out at 9 and 8. Could they beat the Browns in Cleveland? Sure. Could they beat the Broncos potentially? But I have them losing those games and I think they're going to miss out. The ebbs and flows, the inconsistencies, the offensive line, they don't have a lot of depth in some of these positions, you know. They are fairly, you know, majority majorly healthy at this point compared to most teams. So You know, they're going to need a lot of that to stick, stay the course, which is very possible. Um, But we'll see. This is real time when teams lock in, right? You don't want to be playing your best ball right now. You don't want to be behind the curve where you can't make up ground. You want to be in a good spot and then you want to keep seeing that improvement. Last week against the Steelers, I could barely watch the fucking game. I sat through the whole thing. Surprisingly, you would think, okay, boom, that's our stepping stone. What do they got next? Uh, But I, I just don't see it see them being a team that pushes for a playoff spot and then the nfc team i'm going to dive into this week is the cardinals i predicted the cardinals to be better than the the Bengals. i think i had the Bengals at four wins so i, was, I completely missed there even though i'm projecting them at nine that's you know it's still pretty fucking bad um but i expect the cardinals to be uh i predicted them to be nine and eight and barely missing the playoffs because that NFC West is just yacked, stacked, right? I thought they would be a year away, and I wasn't sure how health would do with them as they seem to be pretty shallow in a lot of positions. And I always worry for small quarterbacks, running quarterbacks, my guy Kyler Murray, K1. But I was completely wrong, man. The biggest surprise for everyone on this team, pretty much like the Bengals of that secondary, how it's worked so well, but is the athleticism and performance of their defense. I mean, they've been winning games with Colt McCoy and shit. It seems like you could throw anyone back there. No, no DeAndre Hopkins, and they're they're beating solid teams. The defense is ranked number two overall by PFF, number twelve against the run, number two against the pass. You you would already know guys like Chandler Jones, four sacks to start the season, right? He's an animal. How the Patriots ever got rid of him still blows my mind and Buda Baker, you expect them to, to show out. But how about these guys? You have Robert Alford, the 16th-ranked corner. Byron Murphy Jr., probably a more well-named, a high draft pick. I really want the Steelers to get him here out of UW, cornerback factory. He's ranked number 43 in corners. I mean, if you're top 50, that that's solid, right? There's a lot of corners out there. Uh, Jalen Thompson, ranked number 48. And then Marcus Golden on the D-line, ranked number 25 with 10 sacks. Did not see that coming. Uh, they've really stepped up. You'd think shit, they lost J.J. G- J- Watt. They're going to have a downfall. And they have it. Even guys like Jordan Phillips, Jordan Hicks, and Isaiah Simmons, everyone wondered how the hell is Hicks and Simmons going to work together. Well, they figured it out. They were able to make up ground. Offensively, you have Murray and DeAndre. They're expected back this week. You know, we'll see how they look. You know, is that ankle tender? How's Hopkins look? I'm assuming they'll be fine, but you never know in the NFL. Chase Edmonds, I I think, is a huge piece. He adds a little dimension to the the offense that James Conner doesn't provide. He's on IR with the three-week IR. It's been, I think, two weeks, so he could potentially come back soon as well. And then they lose Max Williams. They trade for Zach Ertz, who's number 17, according to PFF. That's obviously paid off. Kyler's had an instant connection with him. And then James Conner is actually number 11th-ranked running back. And has been a red zone beast. I mean, this guy, all he eats for breakfast is fucking touchdowns, apparently. And how about Christian Kirk? I think he gets overlooked. And this is a guy that I've always liked coming out of college. I seem to always have him in fantasy. He's ranked number 19 overall by PFF, which is outstanding. And he's had great play. Shit, even in fantasy, he's probably one of the higher scoring wide receivers. He's putting up eight, nine points a week, no matter what. And then A.J. Green's been sufficient. He hasn't been A.J. Green in Cincinnati. He's not in his prime. You know, this is a 33-year-old man, but he's doing well. He, he He's physical. You know, he's willing to block. He's willing to do the dirty things. And then the offensive line, ranked number tw- 10th overall, again, PFF. Uh, they're strapped for depth there so that they don't have a lot of room for error. But, hey, overall, this unit doesn't look like they're a year away from competing. It looks like they're right there. Um I actually have the Cardinals as a th- ending up with the three seed in the NFC. I have them matched up against the Niners, who they've already beat twice this year. And I thought about like, you know, I'm not doing playoff predictions, but for the sake of deep diving here, just kind of showing you the potential of my thoughts. I almost put the Niners over them, but they clearly beat them both sides of the ball. Uh, they have more playmakers. So yeah, I-, I have the Cardinals at least moving on to the divisional round at this point if my rest of season predictions are you know somewhat true. Um, you know, they have the one seed things can change. So that, that, that that could be something to, you know, they're obviously striving for. Uh, But I think it's all going to come down to the health of K1 and Hopkins. Those guys are healthy playing high level ball. This team could be a true contender. So let's talk contenders, pretenders. When you look at all these, you know, power rankings, NFL.com, ESPN, everybody else, you know, basically I'm giving you the teams that are thought to be, you know, that are thought highly of. So let's do pretenders first. I actually think the Cardinals are a pretender. I don't see them being able to live through the run game and, and nasty um, you know, winter games in the playoffs. I'm a, a little skeptical of how that defense will stand up towards the later end of the year, especially they're going to play more divisional games. The NFC West is stacked, like we've said. So I do think they're a pretender, but they're close. I have the Ravens as a pretender. A lot of people are pretty high on them. They're winning close games on paper. This all looks good. I am just so skeptical of the injuries and the playmaking ability. I'm not as high. I've never been as high on Lamar Jackson as a quarterback. He had four picks last week against the Browns. You know, AFC North football is yucky, but I just don't see them being a team that I'm super scared of unless they had a legit RB1, like a fucking legit RB1. They don't, they, have you know, they're they're starting fucking Devonta Freeman, like no offense, but like Devonta Freeman. Um, So I, I think they're a pretender the Patriots same thing we talked about this earlier I told you I'd have them on my pretender this is a solid team I picked them to make the playoffs they are in that division right that division is what it fucking is but are they going to be a true postseason contender this year I don't think so I don't believe in Mac Jones being able to make those bigger plays I don't think their offense has enough weapons I think their defense is pretty stout but I'm worried more so worried about the offense. They'd have to play mi- perfect football, mistake free, everything go their way. I don't see that happening, and the, we'll probably see that in Buffalo this week. You know, no Tre'Davious White. That's all right. I think Buffalo is gonna gonna get the job done. The Titans. I have them as pretenders. If Derrick Henry and AJ Brown come clean and playing football the way that they were before injury, that they could easily be a contender. That's it. You know, they are the blueprint of a winning team in the postseason. They've shown that. They've had some, you know, upsets the past few years. Everyone's shocked. I mean, fucking Derrick Henry will run you to victory, right? You have to play solid defense, sound defense. You can get the job done. I am skeptical on the return of Derrick Henry, though. For that reason, they're a pretender. I have the Bills as a pretender as well. You lose Trey White, man. I'm telling you, that defense is going to be hurting. They're already not very good against the run. We saw that against the Colts. When Jonathan Taylor sliced them up um, offensively, you know they're a big play waiting to happen. But if you you take that big play off, like a lot of people are playing the Chiefs, you put two high safeties, you make them play those intermediate routes. You know they they have a they need to have a lot happen correctly. And Josh Allen makes that line look better than it is. So for that reason, I think they're a pretender. Trey White's there, probably a contender. That's how big of a difference he is. The Steelers don't have shit for corners. Joe Hayden, at 30 years old, is our best corner. We can't win without him. That's how big of a deal it is. Imagine if Tre'Davious White, a true shutdown corner, was on the team. I mean, that's that's huge. And then I also have the Bengals because they are ranked high. They are seven and four. You know, they're on a high horse right now. I, you know, I don't believe in young quarterbacks being able to push their team unless they have an amazing run game and offense. They have a pretty solid run game. Joe Mixon's great. But that that offensive line, I'm a little worried about. They have the receivers. So if their line was better, I would agree. Their defense is overperforming. Do I expect that the rest of the year? Do I expect those guys to keep, you know, Pat Mahomes? Do I expect them to be able to keep, um, you know, the Bills or other teams that would be potential playoff teams in that matchup slowed down with their defensive secondary? I don't think so. So for that reason, they're a pretender. Now let's talk contenders the packers man god damn the packers um you know we'll probably do a, a dive into them soon that fucking defense is just blowing my mind without J- jair alexander without zadarius smith they're playing at that level i never would have saw it coming and aj dillon i think is going to make that a committee backfield with Aaron jones still being able to catch i mean they have a little bit of everything they could use a, an additional receiver outside of deandre um but yeah, I mean shit uh, this team is legit. um you you think about it. You almost wonder if they clean house this year and win a Super Bowl? Does Rogers think about staying like, come on, man, I mean, you have your boy Devonte Adams you, you you got all the shit that you need. They're, you know, they'll probably make promises to give you weapons. I think this is a real thing that could potentially happen and something that we're going to have to look into. Um, but Hey, Rogers is limping around. He's not practicing an injury there. Their season's completely off. We saw what the drop off there is from Rodgers to Mr. Jordan love. I have the bucks as a contender when you're a super bowl team and you resign the whole roster. You're going to be a contender. Most likely. I mean, God damn, when I saw that happen, they even got A.B. back. I was like, bruh. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have the defense. They have a lot of injuries, especially in that secondary. I expect that to be you know, better as the season goes, hopefully for their sake. But with Leonard Fournette playing good football, the receiving core, I'm sure A.B. will be back. There's just too many weapons on both sides of the ball for them not to be a contender. And that's why they're winning football games. I have the Chiefs. They're my preseason Super Bowl favorite. I lost faith, right? I think it was like four weeks of bad play. Everyone was saying, oh, shit, after two weeks, after three weeks, like week four or five, I was like, damn, maybe they're right. Maybe I'm just missing here. But they're figuring it out, and they are a true contender. When you have Pat Mahomes on the same team as Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, when you have Chris Jones playing at that level, you still have the Honey Badger there. You're going to be a tough team to beat. I think they're a true contender, especially when the AFC doesn't seem like they have a lot of premier teams right now. A lot of solid teams that could sneak... Th- you know these teams could fuck around and win a Super Bowl, right? Every time the Steelers, I'm, um, I am obviously a Steelers fan. Every time they're eight and eight, they win a Super Bowl. They're thirteen and three, they don't. Like I could see the Colts being a real legit Super Bowl contender this year and a team that fucking sneaks up on people. So we'll transition. I have the Colts as a contender. Um, once they were announced as the midseason hard knocks, I thought it was, they were going to be too far out of the picture because they started the season with tough losses, tough breaks. But they're getting it together and Jonathan Taylor is becoming that guy. I mean, that fucking guy. You mix that with if if Hilton could get mixed into the the situ, you know, the offensive situation with Pittman and some of those other speed receivers, they have weapons, man. Uh Carson Wentz is able to live through the run, make mistake-free football. This is his redemption tour. You don't think Carson Wentz wants this? Like 100% he does. This will change his course. And him and his buddy Frank Wright will go just, you know, right off into the sunset. And we don't need to say a lot about their defense. Darius Leonard, he's a fucking madman, right? They have corners. They have positions. Again, health is going to be a lot of, you know, the determination here is the NFL, especially the season you add a game is a war of attrition. Schedules haven't been normal the past two years. We see more injuries, this COVID shit, everything that's happening. But I think they're a contender. And then I have two more NFC West teams here. I have the Niners and the Rams. I actually predicted the Niners to make the Super Bowl. They started the season so poorly. Looked like Jimmy G might lose his job, right? Looks like Trey Lance is going to play like week three. They, they were missing people. Mostert's out. This guy's out. This guy's out. Trey Sermon's not even playing. It was like, damn. But they're coming back. They're playing Shanahan football. They're beating you up. They have guys like Kittle outside of their linemen that beat your ass. They have uh Kyle Uczek as a fullback. They play just beat you down football. Eli Mitchell's turned out into a star, right? They still have other guys there if needed. Uh Debo Samuel, they're gonna need him back 100 percent Yeah, Brandon Ayuk. You have your defense, you have Bosa and crew out there. They're gonna be a tough team to beat. I, you know, if it is Niners versus Cardinals round one. I would not be surprised if the Niners beat them would not be surprised. And then the Rams. Um, I really like the Rams. I think they are playing piss poor football. I think it's a little bit effortless football, to be honest. You can't tell me that defense has gotten worse with Von Miller on the team. Hmm. That doesn't add up to me. Something's going on. A lot of this is the brutal offensive play. Matt Stafford. He's an injury riddled. And a lot of teams, because they are in LA, they have all the hype. They have Dar- Donald, um, Donald. I don't, well, I don't know why I'm calling him Dar- Donald, but they have Donald. They have fucking Von Miller. They have Jalen Ramsey. People want to beat them, right? You get Stafford, you get all these, these teams. What, you know, what is this? A fucking, uh, a, a baseball team where I could just go sign and get players that I want. And the Rams and McVay know they're in exactly win-now mode. There ain't no other mode. You don't win in LA these next few years. You are the biggest laughingstock around. You are what the Lakers are today. A bunch of old dudes on one or two-year contracts are going to try to get vet minimum guys over, and you have no picks. The teams that traditionally win and put powerhouse teams year in and year out live through the draft. So L.A. better get their shit together. They know this. We don't need to tell them that. Everyone in that clubhouse knows this. But I'll guarantee you guys, in the next few weeks and come playoff football, they're going to be dogs. They're going to be hard to beat. You don't think their season on the line, Aaron Donald ain't coming at you with full fucking force, right? Jalen Ramsey ain't trying to be in your head rent free. That shit's going to happen. They do miss Robert Woods, right? They do miss Robert Woods, but they're going to be okay. And OBJ's getting implemented to that offense. They got dogs, man. And they need to give the ball more uh, to Jarrell Henderson, play more of a balanced offense, and they'll be okay. The problem is that NFC West ain't easy. That shit is tough. And they have some tough games coming up. You know, they, they set themselves up well early to ha- kind of like the Titans. They had a good enough record. They could afford some losses. So I see them getting in. They're going to be contenders. But, yeah, there's my takes. You got the contenders, you got the pretenders, you got a little deep dive in with the Bengals and the Cardinals. And now let's talk power rankings. Uh uh uh. Power rankings thus far in the week. Again, my rankings. What's the logic? Performance today, probably about 30, 40% of what I'm taking into consideration. The rest is health, rest of season outlook, and playmaking ability through honestly shit weather so number one I got the Packers with that defense I mean give me a one-two combo you'd rather have than Devontae and Aaron Rodgers right now debatably debatably I don't think you could put Kyler Murray up with Rodgers Hopkins is a good piece but I, I don't think you could put Murray there yet He's young. He has a long ways to go. I mean, Rodgers is playing MVP football, right? He was the MVP last year. I think the only debatable 1-2 could be Kels, Travis Kels, and Pat Mahomes. And that's a tight end. So I don't think you can. When you have a 1-2 punch like that with the defense is playing dog ball, bro, and you play in Lambo, and you got A.J. Dillon, Quadzilla out there running up motherfuckers' throats, you're going to open that play action. You're going to open those big plays. This team's scary. This team's better than I I I thought they could be this year. I had them win the division. I had the Vikings getting in, but I didn't think that they would be this good on both sides of the ball, especially without Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith, who should return. So watch out. Packers won. I have Cardinals too. Again, this team I did not I thought they were a year away. But both sides of the ball playing well, I just don't like their their postseason play. They can't run it down the throat. They can't keep the other quarterback off the field. They're going to have to outscore teams. That defense is going to have to hold up. And I don't know if they can. That's why I have them two. The Bucs three. I mean, what do I need to say about the Bucs that hasn't already been said? It's the same fucking team. You have the GOAT. You got AB coming back. You got Mike Evans. You got Chris Godwin. You got playoff Lenny. It's not the playoffs, but he's playing like it. So yeah, they're fucking tough. Uh, Four, I have the Chiefs. I honestly think the Chiefs are the most dynamic team but they're not well-rounded as, as the other teams are. The Cardinals, Packers, and Bucks' defense are just upper tier from them. But they got that guy, Pat Mahomes. He's the most talented motherfucker. That's why he's on every commercial. That's why he's getting paid every kind of dollar that they could afford. Um, and he's just that guy, man. Catch up and all. I got the Chiefs at four. The Bills debatably would have been higher without you know without Trey Why I got him five. So Bills five, I got Pat six. I have the Cowboys at seven. Um, they're just having a lot of fucking issues. Zeke with that knee injury. I I think Ta- Tony Pollard's played better this year. But do I think you take Zeke out and you put Pollard in? That's gonna you know that's like a true contender. That's you know do I put them above the Bills, the Chiefs, the Pats? Probably not. So I have them at seven. I have the Bengals at eight. Or excuse me, the Rams at eight. The Bengals at nine. The Ravens at 10, the Niners at 11, the Colts at 12, the Steelers at 13. I thought about putting the, the Niners and Colts ahead of the Ravens, but their record disparity this far, they're in a lot better position, right? They're in a lot better position. The, the Niners and Colts have to fight to make the playoffs. Granted, it's not like the Ravens don't, but they have a lot bigger room for error. Um, Titans 14 again, Derek Henry. I'm just thinking that he's not going to play. So that's why he's there. The AFC West chargers, Broncos, Raiders at 15, 16, 17. I have the Browns at 18. What a shit show they are. I should probably put the Vikings ahead of them, but with Dalvin cook, like, I don't know. So I put the Vikings at 19 and then the rest are just, you know, people that have shown life down to like no life. So saints 20 dolphins, 21, they're getting better. Right, maybe Taysom Hill can play good football, and the Saints make the playoffs, and they could cruise up there. But I've got twenty Dolphins, twenty-one Washington Football Team, twenty-two. These are teams that you have to be prepared with a game plan each week. They're not going to just lay over. Uh, The Eagles twenty-three, and then these are all teams. It, it just, it's a wrap, bro. Like probably not picking them much unless the, the stars align. You got Panthers twenty-four, Falcons twenty-five, Giants twenty-six, Bears twenty-seven. Seahawks 28, Jags 29, Jets 30, Texans 31, Lions 32. The power rankings, again, top five, Packers, Cardinals, Bucks, Chiefs, Bills. Six through 10, Pats, Cowboys, Rams, Bengals, Ravens for the 10. But let's talk week 12. I mean, it's a crazy week for Thanksgiving all the time. And it was a pretty crazy week this week. Was the Thanksgiving games, you know, mind-blowing? Not necessarily. But the Raiders-Cowboys was the most-watched Thanksgiving game since the 90s. So people were intrigued, apparently. Um, early morning <laughs> Thanksgiving, everyone was so hyped to wake up to Browns or Bears and Lions. No, I'm just kidding. But I did take the Bears. The Bears won 16-14. to Yeah, I mean, it was a messy game as you'd expect. Andy Dalton starting um fields out with some ribs dalton was 24 39 317 a touchdown and a pick he was sacked once you'd think they'd live through the run game i mean they did give montgomery 17 carries but he only got 46 yards it's a 2.7 average the receiving core right no Allen robinson and dalton likes him some darnell mooney that motherfucker had 16 targets last week not as many this week with eight but he had five catches, still over 100 with 123 yards, and he had a long ball of 52. For the Lions, Jared Goff back in action, playing a decent game. He was 21 to 25, good completion percentage, only 171 yards. So he was throwing 6.8 per completion. He had two touchdowns, was sacked once. No DeAndre Swift as he got he left after three carries for no yards. So Jamal insert Jamal Williams, X Packer, kind of the Bell Cow. He gets a nice 15 carries for 65 yards. It's a 4.3 average. You're over four. You're serviceable. Uh, receiving led by Josh Reynolds, the X ram Three catches, 70 yards, and a tutty. And there wasn't a lot left to be shared around. TJ Hawkinson did find the end zone as well. Jared Goff did lose a fumble, which is not good, obviously. Um, and Omani Aruwari got the interception for Detroit. As a unit... Again, the Bears got to Jared Goff once, which is surprising. For the Lions, Dean Marlowe, 10 tackles, a pass defended, and they got to um, Andy Dalton once as well. Team stats the Lions, 4 of 10 on third down, the Bears, 5 of 13. I guess that's what you expect with these (laughs) these teams. Uh, Yardage wise, the Bears out yarded the Lions by 150. They both turned the ball over once and the Lions got out by the Bears by five minutes. The Bears move on to four and seven. Your Lions, zero, ten, and one. Probably break history again. Oh, 16 and one. Wild. Uh, moving into the most watched Turkey Day game pretty much of my lifetime. You had Derek Carr and the Raiders beating the Cowboys at home in overtime. What a game. The Raiders go over 500 to 6-5. Five. The Cowboys drop to 7-4. and four. And it just shows you how important CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper are to the Cowboys. It's almost hysterical when they drafted CeeDee Lamb, you know, me being an Oklahoma fan. Obviously, I knew his potential and how legit he was. But I thought, I was like, couldn't you have drafted better positions? Like, you have a lot more weak spots. But yeah, I mean, you, you can't cover... All these guys when they're healthy. But when they're not healthy, Michael Gallup's your number one. That's how the Raiders win, man. That's that's how much of a difference it makes. Uh but Derek Carr, 24 39, 373 and a touchdown. Uh Josh Jacobs looking good coming back from injury. 22 carries, 87 yards. It's a four average and found the end zone. Uh gave Marcus Mariota a little end zone run as well. Hunter Renfro though, just breaking up that defense. Eight catches, 134 yards. He had a long ball of 54. And Deshaun Jackson, the cowboy killer, always killing the Cowboys. 56-yard touchdown. He had 102 yards on three catches. That motherfucker ain't going away. He's still out there balling, running past people. Dak Prescott, 32 of 47, 375 yards and two touchdowns. The run game, though, not what you would expect. Tony Pollard with 10 carries, Zeke with 9. Pollard got 36. Zeke, 25. That's a 2.8 average. He did find the end zone. And then the backup receivers, give them credit. Michael Gallup. I mean, this guy's legit. I wouldn't consider him necessarily a backup receiver, but five catches, 106 yards. They kept giving him fade routes. He had a long catch of 41. And then Cedric Wilson, the the practice man with Dak, his best friend, seven catches, 140 yards. He had a 51-yard reception. Defensively, Keanu Keanu Neal for the Cowboys, twelve tackles, one for a loss. Jaron Curse, eleven tackles, one tackle for a loss, two passes defended. Uh, They got to Derek Carr three times as a unit. The Raiders only sacked Dak once, and Jonathan Abram ten tackles on the day. No interceptions. Conversion rates: the Cowboys only three of thirteen, and the Raiders only three of thirteen. Have to do better. The Raiders did out-yard the Cowboys by six, about 70 yards. Um, Turnover-wise, 0-0. But the Cowboys were out-possessed by the Raiders by 13 minutes, which is pretty large. And then the nightcap. I barely watched this game, to be honest. We had a, a later dinner than I would have liked. But, hey, you know I wasn't cooking. And then it was already a blowout. But the the Bills blow out the Saints... 31 to 6, they go to 7 and 4. The Saints drop under 500 to 5 and 6. Josh Allen was 23 to 28, 260 yards, and four tutties. But he did have two picks and was sacked twice. Trevor Simeon led the way, probably for his last time. For the, the Saints, he went 17 to 29, 163 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. The run game was non existent here. Uh, Singletary did get 15 carries but only 44 yards for the Bills, that's a 2.9 average. And for the uh Saints, Tony Jones Jr. filling in for the stud Alvin Kamara, he had 16 carries, 27 yards, it's a 1.7 average. Now, receiving side. Stefan Diggs obviously going to be the number 1. He had nine targets, only seven catches for 74 yards and a touchdown. And for the the Saints, Little Jordan Humphrey led the way. Only three catches, but 47 yards as the Saints offense was stonewalled. Defensively, the Bills were able to get to uh, Simeon twice. The Saints were able to get to Josh Allen twice. But Demario Davis for the Saints, 10 tackles, one for a loss. Uh, Bradley Roby and Quan Alexander with picks for the Saints. And Jordan Poyer with an interception for, for the Bills. Conversion rates, the the Saints were 5 of 14 on third and 1 for 3 on fourth. The Bills, pretty respectable, 8 of 13 on third down, 1 for 1 on fourth. They out-yarded the uh, Saints by 170. The Bills lost the turnover battle 2 to 1, but out-possessed the Saints by 9 minutes in victory. So, three little three-piece little one, two, three piece on Thanksgiving, little you know, three chicken wings, three, three chicken legs, whatever your, your, your recommendation is. But heading into Sunday morning, my heart was broken. I saw the Steelers of old just sucked out of their souls as the Bengals winning three in a row against the Steelers and just beating the shit out of them. 41 to zero. Holy shit. Um, yeah, I mean this was over since the game started pretty much. It was three to ten in the second, uh 31 to 3 at half. So yeah. Uh Joe Burrow 20 to 24, 190 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. So didn't do anything too crazy. But they fed the beast Joe Mixon a nice twenty eight carries for 165 yards, which is a pretty much a six per carry average with two tutties. The Steelers, you don't see box scores like that. Their run defense, they get over 100, they're pissed. This boy got 165. And then T. Higgins, six catches, 114 yards, and a touchdown to lead the way for their offense. The Steelers, Big Ben, 24-41, of 263, a touchdown, and two picks. The run game, though, you'd think, coming in as the Steelers' office, as a fan... All right, this is a big, big game. At home, we got to give Najee the ball. They only gave him the ball eight times. Fucking Kalen Balaj had three. He only did get 23 carries for 2.9 yards, but that the play calling, the, the setup, the systematics, uh, just clueless. Deontay Johnson, per usual, target machine. He had 14 targets, nine catches, 95 yards to lead the receiving core. But the rookie stud tight end Pat Fryermuth found the end zone. Now, Big Ben did lose a fumble. Um, and Minka Fitzpatrick got an interception for the Steelers. Finally, a turnover. Uh, Mike Hilton, the ex-Steeler, with the pick six. Eli Apple with the pick for the Bengals. The Bungles got three sacks on the Steelers as a unit. The Steelers with two. And Joe Schobert with 11 tackles to lead the way. The Buccaneers, what a fun game this was. I was probably watching this more than the Steelers game. I had the Steelers game on the big TV, the Bucs game on this iMac in, in my front room. I was probably watching this more. Back and forth affair we had here. The Bucs squeaked by the Colts, 38-31. to Um. Tom Brady, 25-34, 226, a touchdown and a pick. Offensively, Leonard Fournette, Getting carries and getting yards. 17 carries, gets 100 clean. It's a 5.9 average with three touchdowns. Ronald Jones got a run all's, uh, touchdown run as well. And then Rob Gronkowski back in action. Him and his best friend, the GOAT, back in action. He had seven catches on 10 targets for 123 yards. Leonard Furnett actually got a receiving touchdown as well for four on the day for the Colts. Carson Wentz, 27-44, 306 yards, three touchdowns, and two picks. Um, pretty solid line besides the picks. Jonathan Taylor did still get 16 carries, uh, had 83 yards. It's a 5.2 average and got the end zone once. And then Jack Doyle led the team in receiving six catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Now, Carson Wentz, Zach Paschal, and Naheem Hines lost fumbles. Chris Godwin did for the Bucs as well. So the fumbles really killed the Colts. The Bucs were able to get to uh, Carson Wentz three times as a unit, two of those from Shaq Barrett. He also had two QB hits. For the Colts, they only got to Tom twice as a unit, but Darius Leonard, the madman, 15 tackles and a pass defended for their defense. Uh, Isaiah Rogers got an interception for the Bucks. Antoine Winfield Jr. and Pierre Desir with interceptions as well. The Colts are five of eleven on third down, two for two on fourth. The Bucks two for eight on third down. You look at those, you wouldn't think there was a way. The Colts also out yarded the Bang or the Bucks by forty, but they lost the turnover battle five to two. The turnover has killed them, but it shows against you know. Granted, this was in Indy, but against the defending champions, you, you get that turnover differential better. Watch out, they outpossess the Bucks by a minute. The uh, Dolphins running all over the Panthers. Cam Newton's return not so joyous. He gets benched, but uh, the uh, Dolphins win thirty-three to ten as they're both five and seven. Panthers five and seven. Dolphins five and seven. Tua twenty-seven to thirty-one. Two hundred thirty yards and a touchdown. Uh, the backfield Miles Gaskin leads away with sixteen carries for forty-nine yards. It's a three-point-one average. Gets two touchdowns. And then they get Philip Lindsay right in there. little committee going on. 12 carries for 42 yards, 3.5 per carry. And then Jalen Waddell, Tua's favorite guy. Nine catches, 137 yards and a touchdown. And now you see the media kind of pro Tua all of a sudden. They were so harsh on him. I I was so lost. I was like, dude, give the guy a chance. Let him get these young receivers, all these speed receivers together. You put some things around him. He's going to be fine. Like everyone's like, oh, ship them out of there. Get rid of them. I was like, God damn. Um, for the Panthers, Cam Newton, only five of 21, 92 yards and two picks, gets benched, insert PJ Walker, five of 10, 87 yards and a pick, pretty much identical. Uh, CMC, before he left, led the backfield with 10 carries for 35 yards. And DJ Moore, obviously the only one that could do anything for this offense, 10 targets, only four catches for 103 yards. Now, Austin Ryder fumbled the ball for the Dolphins. Um, Xavier Howard, Nick Nedham, and Javon Holland with picks for their secondary. They were able to sack Carolina's quarterbacks five times, three of them by Jalen Phillips. Have a day, sir, Jalen. He's a rookie out of Miami, in Miami. What a day for you. I'm sure he had friends and family there. What a show out. He had four tackles as well. One pass defended and four QB hits. He had a show out for the hometown. The Panthers defense, only two sacks as a unit. Shaq Thompson always getting double digit tackets, 13 tackles. And Dante Jackson with 11. He is now on the IR. They're going to miss him dearly. The Dolphins were 6 of 14 on third, 2 for 2 on fourth. The Panthers 4 of 14 on third, 2 of 3 on fourth. The Dolphins out yarded the Panthers by 115. They won the turnover battle three to one. So plus two and outpossessed the Panthers by 15 minutes. A game that should have been a lot more fun. You insert King Henry and AJ Brown. Not as fun as the Patriots all over the Titans. 36 to 13. Pats moved to eight and four Titans, eight and four as well. Ryan Tannehill trying to do the damn thing. Uh, 11 for 21, 93 yards, a touchdown and a pick. The run game uh, outside of pretty much their top two guys, Jeremy McNichols and King Henry insert this new committee, Dontrell Hilliard and Donta Foreman Hilliard with 12 carries 131 yards. It's a 10.9 per carry average. He did have a long run of 68, which was to the house. So he got a touchdown and Donta Foreman getting 19 carries 109 yards. That's a 5.7 average. You got to be a little worried if you're the Patriots are giving up that kind of yardage against those names. You know, maybe they keep doing this, but yeah, that's definitely got to be a a reason for concern. Um, The receiving core, not much. Nick Westbrook, Akeen, led the way with only two catches, 25 yards and found the end zone. For the Pats, Mac Jones, 23 of 32, 310 yards and uh, two touchdowns. The backfield, their committee didn't do as well in the running department. Ramondre Stevenson, 9 carries, 46 yards. That's a decent 5.1 average. Damian Harris, 11 carries, 40 yards. It's a 3.6 average and a touchdown. Uh, The receiving core was led by Jacoby Myers. Five catches, 98 yards. Kendrick Bourne with two touchdown catches. Now, the Titans, fumbling the ball all over. Kari, Blasgami, Dante Foreman, Dontrell Hilliard, all with fumbles for three fumbles on the day. Uh, The Pats... Obviously, their interception, JC Jackson, another one. Uh, their backfield got to Ryan Tenhill twice. Jawan Bentley with 10 tackles, one sack and a QB hit for the Pats. And then the defense of the Titans got to Mac Jones twice. Kevin Byard with 12 tackles, a sack, a tackle for a loss, and two or yeah, and two QB hits. The Pats did finish four 10 on third, not very good. Uh, The Titans, 5 of 11, 1 for 3 on 4th. The Pats out-yarded the uh, Titans by 40, but they won the turnover battle 4 to 0, and they were out-possessed by the Titans by 3 minutes. You know Bill Belichick's got to be over those damn Titans. (laughs) Uh, The Giants' divisional team little bounce back after an ugly performance. Coach fired. That's why I typically will pick that team. They got to bounce back. They got to show something. New coach, new life. Well, Danny Dimes, 19-30, 202 yards and a touchdown as the Giants beat the Eagles 13-7. Giants 4-7, Eagles 5-7. Saquon Barkley's back. He got 13 carries, only 40 yards. It's a 3.1 average. And then the receiving core led by Kenny Galladay. You're like, oh, Kenny Galladay. Shit, forgot they had him. Well, it was only three catches for 50 yards. Um, the Eagles offense, Jalen Hurts battling injury, supposedly. 14-31, of 129 yards, and three picks on the day. It's a 17.5 rating. Rough. Uh, he did lead the team in running, though. Eight carries, 77 yards. Boston Scott got a whopping 15 carries compared to Miles Sanders' nine. They both got 64 yards on those. So Sanders averaged 7.1 to Boston Scott's 4.3 per carry. Boston Scott got the end zone. And then this is weird. He didn't get any backfield carries, but Kenneth Gainwell led the team in receiving three for 32. Boston Scott did lose a fumble. For the Giants, Darnay Holmes, Tay Crowder, and Xavier McKinney with interceptions. The unit got to um, Jalen Hurts once. For the Eagles, they got to Danny Dimes once. But Alex Singleton, 12 tackles, 3 for a loss, and a pass defended on the day. The Giants went 3 of 12 on 4th, 1 for 1 on 4th, 3 for 12 on 3rd, 1 for 1 on 4th. The Eagles, 4 of 11 on 3rd down, 0 for 2 on 4th. The Eagles out-yarded the uh, Giants by 70. They lost the turnover battle, though, 4 to 0, minus 4. That'll do it. Uh, the Giants won the time of possession by five minutes. Turnovers killing teams this week. Um, and then another barn burner in the morning. <laughs> we had the uh, Falcons beat the Jaguars 21 to 14. The Falcons go to five and six. The Jags drop to two and nine. Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, 19 to 29, 190 yards, a touchdown and a pick. The running game was led by Corderell Patterson, 16 carries for 108 yards and two touchdowns. The Swiss Army Knife just shows how focal he is to Arthur Smith's offense. Guys like him are the guys that he loves. And then the receiving core led by Russell Gage, 62 yards and a touchdown. Remember, no um, Calvin Ridley, still, you know, to be determined. For the Jags, Trevor Lawrence, 23 of 42, 228, a touchdown and a pick. The running game was led by James Robinson with 17 carries for 86 yards. It's a 5.1 average. And the receiving core was led by the journeyman, first round journeyman Laquan Treadwell, four catches, 53 yards. Tavon Austin got a touchdown inter- uh, touchdown reception. They got Tavon Austin. You got LaVisca Shenault, Marvin Jones Jr., Laquan Treadwell, Carlos Hyde. Like they got, they're like a little purgatory team themselves. Um, James Robinson did lose a fumble. Tyson Campbell got an interception for the Jags. Daron Harmon for the Falcons. The Jags got a set one sack as a unit. The Falcons won as well. But Michael Walker with 12 tackles, a pass defended, and a QB hit. I don't even know who Makai Walker is. He is a second-year player out of Fresno State. A linebacker. There you go, McCall. Conversion rates for the Jags. 9-16 on third. That's pretty sp- Eh, t- decent 0 for 2 on fourth 5 of 12 on third down for the falcons the jaguars out out yarded the falcons by 30 but lost the turnover battle 2 to 1 and were out possessed by a minute another just low level game here the texans dropping to the jets and zach wilson's return the jets win 21 to 14 the texans 2 and 9 the jets 3 and 8 Zach Wilson, 14-24, 145 yards and a pick in his return for a 58.5 rating. Telvin Coleman leading the backfield with no uh, Michael Carter. He gets 16 carries for 67 yards. It's a 4.2 average. And Braxton Berrios led the receiving core two catches for 47 yards. Meanwhile, for the Texans, Tyrod Taylor, 17-26, 158 yards and two touchdowns and a pick. David Johnson led the backfield with 10 carries for 39 yards although Rex Burkhead also had 12 for 27. The receiving corps was led by, obviously, Brandon Cooks. Three catches, 45 yards, and a tutty. And then defensively, Tavier Thomas with the pick for the Texans. John Franklin Myers for the Jets. As a unit, the Texans got to the Zach Wilson four times. For the Jets, they got to Tyrod Taylor five times. Two of those from John Franklin Myers. Lots of sacks on the day. The uh, Texans 6 of 14 on third, 1 for 2 on fourth. The Jets 2 for 13 on third, 2 of 2 on fourth. The Jets out yarded the Texans by 60. Both teams turned the ball over once, and the Jets outpossessed the Texans by seven minutes. And then the Broncos with a great home win over the divisional t- uh, opponent, Chargers. They went 28-13. to They go to 6-5. and five. The Chargers 6-5 and five as well. Herbert, after the big Sunday night performance, goes 28-44. 303 yards, two touchdowns, and two picks for an 80 rating. He led the team in rushing, which is terrible. Four for 36. That Broncos defense ever since Vaughn's left has looked great. Bradley Chubb's back. Eckler did get 12 carries for 31 yards. It's a 2.6 average. And then the receiving core was led by Keenan Allen, seven catches, 85 yards. Although Eckler got the receiving touchdown and Jared Cook. For the Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater, 11 of 18, 129 yards in a tutty. The backfield committee getting 147 as a unit. Melvin Gordon had 17 carries for 83 yards. It's a 4.9 average. Javante Williams, 14 for 54. That's a 3.9. He got a touchdown. And Javante Williams leading the receiving team in receiving, three catches, 57 yards. Defensively, Pat Sertain, a pick six and another pick. Two picks and a pick six. Have a day, Mr. First Rounder. The Chargers first rounder, Darwin James with the the pick as well. The Broncos got to uh, Herbert three times. The Chargers got to Teddy Bridgewater once. But Kaiser White with 12 tackles on the day. The game of the week. One of my good friends, Packer fan, first game in attendance in a nice snowy game against a big-time opponent. And they get the victory. The Packers, 36, beat the Rams, 28. The Pack, 9-3, the Rams, 7-4. Aaron Rodgers, 28-45, of 45, 307 yards and two touchdowns. A.J. Dillon, Quadzilla, 20 carries for 69, although that's a 3.5 average. Aaron Jones, first game in action, 10 carries for 23. And then Devontae Adams, of course, leading the way, eight catches, 104 yards, Randall Cobb and A.J. Dillon getting some receptions uh, for a touchdown. For the Rams, the L.A. Rams, 21 for 38 was Matt Stafford, 302 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Pretty solid line. Uh, The run game was led by Darrell Henderson, 16 carries, 55 yards. It's a 3.4 average. And Cooper Cup obviously leading the receiving with seven catches for 96 yards. Although Van Jefferson had a 79-yard touchdown, he had 93 yards just behind. And then OBJ and Darrell Henderson with receiving touchdowns as well. Matthew Stafford and JJ koski with fumbles for the Rams. Randall Cobb, a, f- a fumble loss for the Pack. Razul Douglas with an interception for the Pack. The Pack got to Stafford twice. The Rams were able to get to Rodgers once, but Troy Reeder with 13 tackles on the day. The Niners beating the Vikings a big game for both teams' season. The Niners escape 34 to 26. They go to six and five above 500 as the Vikings drop under at five and six. Captain Kirk, 20 of 32, 238, two touchdowns and a pick. Dalvin Cook before injury, 10 to, uh, ton rushes for 39 yards, and the receiving court was led by Justin Jefferson, four catches, 83 yards, but Adam Thielen with two touchdowns in the red zone. Jimmy G, 17-26, to 26, 230 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Elijah Mitchell, 27 carries, a buck, 33, and a touchdown. And before Debo Samuel left, he had 66 rushing yards and two touchdowns. What a fucking stud. Uh, Brandon Ayuk leads the team in receiving with 91 yards on three catches. Dalvin Cook did lose a fumble. Uh, Harrison Smith got an interception for the Vikings defense. They got to Jimmy G twice as a unit. And Harrison Smith also had 11 tackles and two passes defended for the Niners. Aziz Alshare with an interception. They only got one sack as a unit. A little surprising there. The Niners were five of 12 on third. The Vikings two for eight, one for three on fourth. The uh, Niners out yarded the Vikings by 100. They won the turnover battle two to one. So the Ram uh, Niners are minus one but they still got the victory because of the 15-minute advantage on time of possession. And then Sunday night, typically yucky AFC North football. The, the Ravens beat the Browns. They go to 8-3. The Browns drop to 6-6. Six six. Baker Mayfield injuries in all, 18 for 37, 247 yards and a touchdown. Uh, they gave Cream Hunt 7 carries to Nick Chubb's 8. Cream only got 20 yards. That's a 2.9 average. Nick Chubb only 16, which is a two-per-carry average. And Jarvis Landry led the team with six catches for 111 yards. Lamar Jackson, 20-32, 165 yards, one touchdown, and he had the four picks on the day for a 46.5 rating. He did lead the team in uh, running, 17 carries for 68 yards. It's a 4.0 average. Devontae Freeman did get his fair share, though, 16 carries, only 52 yards. It's a 3.3 average. And Boomer Sooner, baby. Mark Andrews, four catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown. He had a long ball of 39. The Browns fumbling away the victory here. Jarvis Landry and Baker Mayfield lose fumbles. Um, but the Browns' defense got four picks. Grant Delpit, Denzel Ward, John Johnson the third, and Ronnie Harrison all with picks. They sacked Lamar twice as a unit. Ronnie Harrison uh, had the pick as well as as 14 tackles and a pass defended. Anthony Walker had 12 tackles. And Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa, 12 tackles and a tackle for loss and a half a sack and a QB hit. The Ravens were able to come away 7 for 15 on third. Pretty solid. Uh, 1 for 1 on fourth. The, the ran, or Browns, 4 of 13, 0 for 1 on 4th. The Ravens out-yarded the Browns by 40. They lost the turnover battle 4-2, to two, so they were minus 2, but out-possessed the Browns by 15 minutes. And then just kind of a shit-show NFC Monday night game that got flexed out of Sunday night. The Washington football team beats the Seahawks at home 17-15. to 15. The WFT, 5 and 6. Seahawks dropped to 3 and 8. Sheesh. Russell Wilson, 20-31, 247, two touchdowns. Also led the team in rushing, two carries for 16 yards. Alex Collins did get seven carries, but only 14 yards. It's a two-per. And then Tyler Lockett led the receiving core, three catches, 96 yards. Gerald Everett and Freddie Swain with touchdowns. Alex Collins also lost a fumble. For Washington, Tyler Heineke, 27-35, 223, a touchdown and a pick. Antonio Gibson looking good. 29 carries, 111 yards, right at a four average. McKissick did get the end zone as a receiver and a running back. And Terry McLaurin led the team four catches, 51 yards. Uh, The defense got to Russell Wilson twice. Seahawks defense got Heineke once. But Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks with 14 tackles. Uh, Bobby Wagner did have a pass defended. And Jamal Adams with the pick on the day. The Washington football team was one or five of 13 on third one for two on tw- uh, fourth. The Seahawks four for 12 on third. The Washington football team out yarding the Seahawks by 110. Both teams turned the ball over, but Jesus 1828, 30, the Washington football team outpossessed the Seahawks by 24 minutes. God damn. That is just brutal. You don't see that very often. So let's talk Week 13. That sets us up for this week. We got Cowboys playing. What it's like three games in 12 days. They travel to New Orleans to play the Saints. Amari Cooper is still questionable. Zeke supposedly playing. Um, the Cowboys are four and a half point favorites at home. Kamara is supposed to be playing. Uh, um, new starting quarterback, not Simeon, but uh, Taysom Hill. So lots of different things going on. This is going to be a tough one. Thursday night games are always toss-ups. I am going to take the the Cowboys on the road. I'm not taking them to cover, though. Moving into Sunday, the Buccaneers hosting the Falcons. The Bucs are 11-point favorites on the road. I have the Bucs winning. I don't have them covering. Should be somewhat of a lopsided affair. Uh, The Bears hosting the Cardinals. Looks like Murray and Hopkins are back. They're favored by 7.5 on the road. I have them winning on the road and covering that offense of the Bears is brutal. The Bengals hosting the Chargers. Big game for these teams. The Bengals favored by three at home. I have the Bengals winning mostly because it's at home, and I think Joe Mixon's going to have another big day. Uh, the Lions hosting the Vikings. The Vikings, seven point favorites out on the road. I have the Vikings winning, but I don't have them covering. The Dolphins hosting the Giants. The Danny Dime less Giants. Dolphins favored by five at home. I have them winning but not covering. The Jets hosting the Eagles. The Eagles six and a half points favored on the road. I have the Eagles winning, but I don't have them covering. The Colts nine point favorites on the road against the Texans. I have the Colts winning. I have them covering on the road. Jonathan Taylor is going to burst onto the scene again. The Raiders hosting the Washington football team. The Ravers favored by two and a half. I have them at home winning and covering as well. The Rams hosting the Jaguars, 13 points favorite at home. I think they win. I don't think they cover. It's going to be an ugly game. I think James Robinson's going to get a lot of load here. Huge, huge game for my Pittsburgh Steelers. Potentially a season ender as they host the Ravens. The Ravens are four-point favorites on the road. The first time in the Harbaugh era, the Ravens have been favored on the road. I'm going to take the Steelers. At the upset, at home, if anything, you should be betting the spread with the Steelers, but I'm going to take them. TJ Watt doesn't play, though. I might have to switch that. The Seahawks hosting the Niners in the big rivalry game. Uh, The Niners favored by three and a half on the road. I have the Niners um, on the road winning and covering. And then Sunday night, big AFC West game. The Chiefs hosting the Broncos. Chiefs favored by 10 at home. I do have them winning at home on Sunday night, but I don't have them covering. That, that run game for the Broncos is fierce. A defense playing good ball. And then Monday night, huge, huge game in the AFC again. The Bills hosting the Patriots. Bills favored by two and a half. I have them winning at home and covering for that game. Ma, 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 ma A lot of NFL, man. Shit's getting down to the wire. It's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. We still have college football. We're getting to the end, to the bowl season, but we got it. Lots of fucking drama here. Zach Evans, the five-star running back out of TCU, is transferring. Dylan Gabriel, the big-time QB out of UCF, who who lost a season early, is transferring as well. Um, There's going to be a lot of teams liking him. Billy Napier hired as the head coach at Florida. Um, Brian Kelly to LSU in a big shocker as he leaves Notre Dame to go to the SEC. Meanwhile, this guy does not want any part of the SEC Lincoln Riley goes to USC as an Oklahoma fan. It's basically a dumpster fire. They lose all the commits that you could expect. Malachi Nelson, the number two quarterback from this year, decommits, then commits to USC today. They also lose. Oklahoma loses a top linebacker, a receiver, a running back. Uh, Alex Grinch follows as well. Who's the future head coach? Who knows? Bod Stoops, the, the guy, though, filling in for the bowl game like it even matters at this point. But Oklahoma definitely in turmoil as well as Notre Dame. But I feel like more so with Lincoln Riley. Brian Kelly, love him. Great coach. But Lincoln Riley brings the best recruits. We were seeing that with him leaving. He's the quarterback whisperer. He gets the best quarterback damn near every year. Uh, Spencer Rattler announces his uh, transfer portal. Uh, Austin Stogner enters the transfer portal. Fingers crossed. Caleb Williams stays. We need you, man. Boomer Sooner. Be proud of the Oklahoma tradition. But what the fuck does this mean? I mean, for me, you see these head coaches, you know, Lincoln Riley, just spur the moment, left the team, doesn't finish out the bowl game. Um, you know, going to USC, talking about this being the new mecca of football. There's a lot of pros and cons, right? You see coaches like Gary Patterson. He built TCU. TCU would be nothing with him. They fired him before the season. So it's a business by the schools as well. Um, looking at what USC had actually given um, Lincoln Riley is bonkers. He has $110 million. USC is buying both of his homes in Norman for over $500,000, uh, which is a million-dollar bonus. It's $500,000 over the ask, asking price. They are buying a $6 million a, a home for him in L.A., and he gets unlimited use of the private jet 24-7 for his family. So, yeah, they gave him the biggest offer. Um, But what I hate is that, you know, this is all a business first. It's going to be what it is, but it sucks. I mean, these kids were told that they were going to play, you know, Oklahoma at Notre Dame with these coaches. They just bounce. Uh, It's just a sticky situation. It leaves the, the, you know, the schools in flux, especially Oklahoma. Um, It's not a good situation. I want to be pissed at Lincoln Riley. I am pissed. You know, he, he, you know, why USC? The only reason that makes sense there is the money and maybe he wants better weather. But the fact that he gets to go in the Pac-12, which is the easiest way to a college playoff, I get it. But it's brutal, man. Um, you know, Oklahoma had not expected him to be leaving anytime soon. And I'm sure Notre Dame didn't know with Brian Kelly either. Uh, it's crazy that teams are going from A-list team to another A-list team. Um, you hate to see it, man. You really do. I, I, I saw the news and my stomach dropped. I wanted to be furious at Lincoln Riley. You try to look at it as his viewpoint. It still just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. He wants to be in all the spotlight. He wants all the shine. Um, Colin Cowherd, you know, my favorite analyst. Guy I look up to talked about the network's going to love this. You know, the, the West Coast doesn't have anything to showcase, right? Maybe the Rams at this point. Maybe the Chargers, Justin Herbert. But USC being successful is the best thing. And it's the best ratings. When USC was good back in the day, the ratings were through the roof because the East Coast and the West Coast, the time differences and the, the way the ratings work, having the West Coast having solid um, numbers is going to be huge. It's going to be great for the program. It's going to be great for everyone except Oklahoma. But I, I expect you know Malachi Nelson and everybody else to follow Lincoln Riley. I expect uh, USC to be the, the cream of the crop of the Pac-12 and dominate, to be honest. I think they're going to be a a dominant school, and it'll be interesting to see how they can compete with other divisions. Uh, But it's just, you know, some brutal moves in college football with those coaches. Uh, Washington ends up hiring Fresno State's Kalen DeBoer as head coach, and Virginia Tech hires Penn State's uh, ex-defensive coordinator Frank Beamer. So, yeah, what a fucking week, man. But we also have... The new rankings. I'm not going to do overrated, underrated. It's pretty much the end of the year. I don't like Oklahoma. or Yeah, I like Oklahoma State leapfrogging Notre Dame. I do not like Cincy falling past Alabama. They damn near lost to Auburn, man. You're going to give them the three spot that makes no sense. But at the end of the day, Georgia's going to blow them out, right? So most likely, if Oklahoma State beats Baylor, they should get in. Um, that'll be a debate between them and Bama. I think o- Oklahoma State would deserve it. Um, But that's what we're looking at the the final four. It should be Oklahoma State, Georgia, Cincinnati, and who am I missing? Oh, and Michigan. So we'll see. It's going to be fun. At least we got some new blood in there, some changes, not the old traditional. No Ohio State. Uh, Props to Michigan to not see that coming. But let's talk about the games. Ole Miss beating Mississippi. The egg bowl. Will Rogers, 38 of 58, 336 and a touchdown. I expected that to happen. I think Old Miss has been underrated all year. Cincinnati smoking Eastern Carolina. Desmond Ritter, 17 of 28, 301 yards and two touchdowns. Iowa escaping Nebraska. The fact that Iowa's in the Big Ten championship still blows my mind, as I do not think highly of them. That offense is so broken. Uh, Utah's cruising through Colorado as expected. North Carolina State beating North Carolina, tough loss for them. To me, in the biggest games of the year, Sam Howell has not shown out. Um, he has not led his team to victory, although he doesn't have a ton of weapons. But you know, losing to North Carolina say thats a game you have to have. He was 14 of 26, 147, a touchdown and a pick. He ran the ball 18 times for 98 yards and two touchdowns. Um, I picked North Carolina in that game. San Diego State beat Boise State uh, for the Mountain West. Arkansas cruises through Missouri as expected. Texas upends Kansas State in a little bit of a shocker here. Caleb Thompson, 17 23, 107 in a touchdown. No Bijan Robinson, no problem. Insert Roshan Johnson, 31 carries, 179 yards for a 5.8 average in a touchdown. The Longhorns, you know, finishing on some momentum. Um Iowa State beating the shit out of TCU. Brock Purdy 21 to 30, 262 on two touchdowns. Future NFL stud Brees Hall 18 for two 18 carries, 242 yards, and three tutties. And Xavier Hutchinson seven catches for 107. Cougar fans unite. The Apple Cup finally changes the course. Washington State just straight demolishes Washington. You know, family Husky fans were watching that, and they made Borgie and Delora look like NFL caliber players. Delora was twenty-seven to thirty-two, two hundred forty-five yards. Borgie, I think, had the all-time Pac-12 or Washington State touchdown record: twenty-two carries, one hundred twenty-nine yards, and two touchdowns. And that was all before Saturday. You cruise into Saturday, Georgia blanks Georgia Tech. No surprise, Stetson Bennett still QB. 14 of 22, 55 and four touchdowns. Michigan demolishes Ohio State. What a shocker. CJ Stroud, 34 of 49, 394 and two touchdowns. Haskins with 28 carries for 169 yards and five touchdowns. Um, Auburn barely loses to Alabama in overtime. Not one overtime, not two overtimes, but four overtimes. And they let them leapfrog Cincy. What in the world? Bryce Young, 25 of 51, 317 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, John Mechie third, 13 catches, 150 yards. Notre Dame easily beat Stanford 45 to 14. Jake Cohen, 26 of 35, 345 and two tutties. Oklahoma State upends the rivalry, just like the Apple Cup finally changed the course of bedlam. They beat Oklahoma 37 to 33. Uh, a close game, a wild game, right? Muffed punts into touchdowns. Crazy broken coverages. Both teams have their chances. Caleb Williams, 20 for 39, 252 and three touchdowns. Kennedy Brooks, 22 for 139 in defeat. And then we got the Lincoln Riley news. Shit, man. Uh, Baylor escapes Texas Tech to stay up in the rankings, keep their season alive. Oregon beats Oregon State 38 to 29. Michigan State beats uh, Penn State in a snowball. You could barely see the Penn State players. Sean Clifford, 23-34, 313 yards and three touchdowns in the loss. Kenneth Walker the third, four Michigan State, 30 carries, 138 yards and a tutty. And Jahan Dotson, eight catches, 137 and a two touchdowns. He's going to be fun to watch at the next level. BYU beats USC 35-31 in a close game. Minnesota upsets Wisconsin to eliminate them from the Big Ten title, 23-13 they get the axe back to Wisconsin. Another upset. LSU squeezed by Texas A&M. Max Johnson 22 of 38, 306 yards and three touchdowns. Um, let's see. Jeray Jenkins, eight catches, 169 yards and two touchdowns. Brian Kelly's going to have a squad as LSU is building momentum um, for the for the next season. Pittsburgh blows out Syracuse 31 to 14. Wake Forest blows out Boston College 41 to 10. North Texas gives UTSA their first loss. The Roadrunners, you know, Cinderella story comes to an end. Clemson continuing to build that momentum, much like LSU after really tough starts. They blank South Carolina 30 to 0. Houston upends Yukon. There's no surprise there. Florida escapes Florida State 24 to 21. Army beat Liberty 31 to 16. Malik Willis, the high prospect quarterback, 24 of 46, 305 yards and a touchdown. Miami beats Duke 47 to 10. This Tyler Van Dyke kid showing out 34 for 49, 381 and three touchdowns. I'm assuming he'll be the future starting quarterback at Miami at the U. My poor Wyoming Cowboys losing to Hawaii. To the freaking Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, 38 to 14. Their QB had 323 yards. Levi Williams with a decent game, but no running game. They lived through the run game. That offense is broken. Tough for the Cowboys. Virginia Tech beats Virginia 29 to 24. Bryce Armstrong outduels um, Blackshear in the loss. He has 30 for 46, 100, 400 yards in a tutty. Tulsa upsets SMU. uh, Tanner Mordecai, 26-46, 298 in a tutty. And what a week we had, man. Rivalry week. A lot happening in sports. You had rivalry week. We are preparing for the football playoff. The NFL is chaos. You have the hot stove. We haven't even talked about it yet. You have the coaching changes. It was bonkers. So what do we got this week? On Friday, we have Oregon taking on Utah. Utah blew them out at home. Can they change the course? We will see. On Saturday, Oklahoma State taking on Baylor in the morning. This is Oklahoma State's path to the playoff. Louisiana taking on Appalachian State for the Sun Belt Conference Championship. That should be a doozy. Appalachian State favored by three on the road. I'm going to take Louisiana. Well, their coach left, so I don't know if their coach is coaching. If he's not, I might change it. Alabama hosting Georgia. That's the one that everyone has circled. 1 p.m. Pacific on CBS. Uh, Let's go, dogs! Cincinnati hosting Houston. Try to keep their postseason hopes alive at 1 o'clock Pacific as well. Iowa hosting Michigan. This should be a blowout. Michigan's favored by 10 and a half on the road. Michigan's offense is trash. Uh, Wake Forest for the ACC championship against Pittsburgh. This should be a fun one. Pittsburgh favored by three on the road. I'm taking Pitt. We have some big games set up. Then the bowl games will be announced and then the playoff will be locked in. We're getting to the nitty gritty. We're getting to the nitty gritty. <laughs> but let's talk UFC, baby. We had a UFC card and we have another one, a solid one coming up. Uh, we didn't have a UFC card. We have one coming up this weekend. But the announcement that boggled my mind, Kamaru Usman with a broken hand three weeks before that Covington fight in MSG, And he said he didn't even throw it up until warmups of the fight. A lot of guys would have pulled out. You are a true champion. You never cease to amaze. You're going to be the pound for pound, one of the best fighters of all time. That is insane. You know, what's tough about fighting is you don't get paid with all that hard work, the training cap, the cuts and everything you do. He broke his hand three weeks, right? That's a lot of preparation and time. Um, But a lot of fighters want to do that. And he threw those hands well. He threw those hands well. Uh, he he, you know, clearly is better than Colby. Uh, That's just a, a wild thing to see. Edson Barboza against Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell Camo Shorts and all is coming back. That's going to be a fun fun fight. As Mitchell's undefeated and Barboza, we all know of him being a badass. Another badass fight. Holy shit! For the true number one contender in the, the toughest class in the UFC. We have Benil Dariush taking on Islam Makachev. We'll see what changes, but I think I'm taking Dariush. There, Islam is shown to be, you know, human against some good strikers, but Dariush is good everywhere. He's going to be a problem. And surprising news: Kevin Lee cut from the UFC. He got suspended for an Adderall prescription thing. You know, he's taken some losses, but he's going to be the best fighter in his class to anywhere he goes. I assume he goes to Bellator, but he could still go to the PFL as well. Benil Dariush and Islam are going to be headlining a fight night card in February. And on that card, we're going to get Arman Sukarian versus Joel Alvarez, who just showed out. That's going to be a fun, fun fight. So we got UFC Vegas 44 this Saturday. Normal times, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Prelims earlier, ESPN or ESPN+. Um... There's Mickey Gall fighting Luis Smoka, Jake Matthews fighting early in the prelims, but I, I I didn't want to cover their fights. Either lopsided or just not enough interest. But we're going to start here. And holy shit, is this going to be a banger. Alonzo Atomic Menefield, the 34-year-old fighter with an 11 and 2 record versus William Nightmare Knight, 33-year-old fighter with a 10 and 2 record. What a banger this is going to be and a treat for us fight fans having that week off. Alonzo has 8 of his 11 wins via knockout. William Knight has 9 of his 10 wins via knockout. Moral of the story, someone's getting knocked out. Um, Alonzo is on a two-fight winning streak and is 4-2 and since his Dana White Contender Series victory. He does have a 3-inch reach advantage in this fight. Meanwhile, Williams is on a one-fight winning streak. He is 2-1 in the UFC since his Dana White Contender Series victory. But to me, you know, both Dana White Contender Series victories, getting some momentum in the UFC, knocking people out or getting knocked out. This is a true 50-50 fight. But the winner is going to be right outside the top 15 rankings in the light heavyweight division. And this is probably the biggest fight of their career. Both fighters have already fought twice this year as well. But I'm going to take Alonzo based off stiffer competition that he's faced. But this is going to be a tough one. It was a tough one to pick, but I'm taking Alonzo. Put it on the parlay, mark it down, and let's get that bread. We have Manel, Starboy, Cape, Cape, 28 years old, with a 16 6 record, taking on Zalgas Zumagolov, 33 years old, with a 14 and 5 record. This is a big fight for both fighters in the flyweight division, not the, not the deepest of divisions. But a win here is going to give them great momentum within the UFC. Cop or Cape has fought in both flyweight and bantamweight. He struggles to make weight at flyweight. So he's got to figure that out. But he does have a two and a half reach advantage. He is one and two in the UFC and 10 of his 16 wins are via knockout, which is pretty impressive in flyweight. You don't see a lot of guys knocking people out in flyweight. Zalgas is one and two in the UFC as well. I like Cape here. This is going to be a fun fight. Kape's cape, I can't remember exactly how to say it. He's got potential. He's shown it. He's got the athleticism and, and, and the a, a, a tremendous amount of power for the flyweight division. So as long as he doesn't go for the finish, fall short and gas himself, I see him finishing this fight with the KO. Put it on the parlay, mark it down, and let's get that bread. And then we have Maki, Coconut Bombs Patolo. The 31-year-old fighter with a 13-8 record, taking on Dusko, Thunder, Todorovic, 27 years old with a 10-2 record. Now, Dusko is an orthodox fighter. He's a black belt in BJJ and Taekwondo. Six of his 10 wins are via knockout. He is 1-2 in the UFC since his Dana White Contender Series victory. He's already fought twice this year. Meanwhile, Patolo, he is 1-4 in the UFC since his Dana White Contender Series victory. And as I always say, you can't lose three to four in a row. You want to make a living in the UFC. If you want to stay in the UFC, this is a must-won fight for Patolo. That's what makes this very interesting. I've really liked Dusko since I've seen him come on the scene when he fought Punaheli Soriano. And I like him to continually grow and and evolve. I expect him to get the job done here and get back in the whim column, put him on that parlay, mark it down, and let's get that bread. And then... We have Brendan All-In Allen, the 25-year-old stud with a 17-4 and record. He's taking on Chris Action Man Curtis, the 34-year-old fighter with a 20-5 and record, who just fought at MSG. Now, this is a short-notice fill-in fight, but it's going to be a very interesting matchup. Brendan, he trains out of Sanford with some dogs. Sanford MMA, he's a black belt in BJJ. He is on a two-fight winning streak. And nine of his 17 wins are via submission. He's very well-rounded and good on his uh, on Jiu-Jitsu. Curtis is on a six-fight winning streak. One of those in the UFC that just happened uh, November 6th. And in that fight, he was getting scorched by a very, very good Phil Haas. But caught him with that perfect counter to end the, the fight with a TKO. He was a great post-fight interview. You know He has a great journeyman story. He's been through multiple promotions. Tried to get to the UFC, didn't it. Fell short. Finally gets to MMA, puts on a counter shot in MSG. And is just, it was awesome, but he's fa- fighting Allen here. Allen, although young is the more well-rounded fighter, but Chris has 35 professional fights. So he's very well experienced. And especially in that moment, like the Phil Haas, where he's getting scorched, he has enough power to finish the fight. So if Allen could get Chris, Chris down, I expect him to take this fight easily, but you got to watch out for that power. It's a real deal. I'm taking Brendan in my parlay, mark it down, and let's get that bread. And then we have this fight. Oh boy, what a fight here. We have Jim crew 25 years old with a 12-2 record and the number 13 next to his name, taking on Jamal Sweet Dreams Hill, 30 years old with an 8-1 record and the number 14 next to his name. A little ranked matchup. You know, this is, a, this is another banger. And from some guys that just like to let it loose and let it fly. Jimmy is an orthodox fighter, a black belt in BJJ and Judo. He lost his last fight against Anthony Smith. You know, we love me some Lionheart. So he is looking to rebound. Uh, he is 4-2 in the UFC since his Dana White Contender Series victory. Meanwhile, Hill is a blue belt in BJJ. Four of his eight wins are via knockout and he has 2-1-1 one one since enter, since his Dana White uh, Dana White contender series victory but much like Allen Curtis uh much like the Allen versus Curtis fight hill has that big knockout power like nasty knockout power but i like the overhaul game of crew uh and the fight he just can't get into a firefight he has to fight his fight he can't catch that that smoke that's going to be tough for him but I do like him. He is more well-rounded. Give me crew, put him on the parlay, and let's get that bread. And then we got the vets, the old guys, the the guys that have seen a little bit of everything. We got Clay, the carpenter Guida, 39 years old with a 36 and 18 record versus Leonardo Santos, 41 years old with an 18, five and one record. This is going to be a fun uh, vet fight here. Guida is literally the truest OG ever. He's fighting out of Strike Force. He's fought in WEC. He's fought in King of the Cage. Pretty much everywhere, man. His nickname is The Carpenter, and that showcases who he is. His work ethic. His relentlessness. He has been a true must-see fighter majority of his career, in my opinion. Now, both of these fighters, though, obviously, are past their prime. Guida is an orthodox fighter out of Team Alpha Mel. He is a tough alum. He lost his last fight in his one and four in his last four. He has actually fought twice this year. Meanwhile, Santos he lost his last fight to Grant Dawson, and that was after a twelve fight winning streak. Even though you know he had a draw in between, but he had a very impressive streak before losing to Grant Dawson. He is a fourth degree black belt in BJJ. He is a ultimate fighter, a Brazil alum. And he has a 5-inch reach advantage in this fight. This is a pretty even fight for me. But on the ground, I think Santos will have the advantage on the mat. So I'm going to take Santos and potentially Guida's last UFC fight. I'm taking Santos. Put him on. I, I'm, I'm not going to put this on the parlay if I don't have to. Uh, but we'll see what happens. And then we have the co-main event of these two big prospects that are probably going to be the winner of this will probably be fighting for the title within the next year or so. We have Brad Quake-Riddell, 30 years old, with a 10-1 and record and the number 12 next to his name. Taking on Rafael Adaman Faziev, 28 years old, with a 10-1 and record and the number 14 next to his name. Now this is, like I said, a massive prospect fight for the lightweight class. The winner of this I could see fighting for the title, but also the loser could potentially be a, a, a contender and title fighter in the, in the near future. It's a you know, both these guys are kind of matching up right at the same points of their careers. Brad, he is a kick he has a kickboxing background and he trains with Izzy in the squad out of City Kickboxing and Tiger Muay Thai. He is a purple belt in BJJ. He's on a seven fight winning streak with four of them in the UFC. Meanwhile, Rafael trains out of Sanford MMA. He has a blue belt in BJJ, and six of his ten wins are via knockout. He is on a four fight winning streak. This fight is so hard to pick, but I'm going to go with Brad based off what I've seen from him. And I think his wrestling and like grappling advantage is going to be the big difference. Uh, This one is going to be electric, though. Must see TV. But I'm taking Brad. I'm not confident to put him in my parlay if I don't have to. He is the underdog. Be a good underdog bet. And then the main event, the Bantamweight Showdown. Jose Aldo, 34 years old with a 30-7 and record. And the number five next to his name, taking on Rob Font, who's 35 years old with a 19 and four record, and the number four next to his name. Really, this fight's everything a fight fan wants. It's going to be fireworks in the bantamweight class. The winner of this will be right there with T.J. Dillashaw, awaiting the winner of Jan and Sterling, the rematch if it happens. If it does happen, I think T.J. should get it. But you know, there's a lot of guys in in the in the limbo here. Although he was one of, you know, he's one of my favorite fighters of all time. He's one of the best bantamites of all time. He's the ex-champ of the, the UFC and the WEC. He's a black belt in BJJ and Luta Livre. He's on a 7-fight winning streak, 4 of them in the UFC. He's a, no, I don't know That can't be right. Ignore that. He's on a 2-fight winning streak and 17 of his 30 wins are via knockout. Font is an orthodox fighter. He's a brown belt in BJJ. He's on a four-fight winning streak. And really, his improvement the past two years has been nuts. Picking this fight is really hard. If it was three rounds, I would most likely pick Aldo. Font isn't easy to finish. He's gone. He's done well in the cardio department the longer rounds. And I think his style is better for a five-round matchup. We've seen the five rounds burn Jose at the end. He has nothing left. As long as he can last that Aldo storm the first few rounds and pick his spots, I think he wins the fight. Aldo, he's been in a lot of wars and has taken way more damage as well. So, you know, it makes you wonder how much more damage he can take. A fun fight. I'm a little nervous. You know, I love me some Aldo, but I'm going to take Font. I'm putting him on my parlay, mark it down, and let's get that bread. I hate picking against my guys. But up next, next Saturday, UFC 269. I'll be in T-Mobile with my best friend, his wife, uh, Fueled Supplements, the whole squad, and it's going to be a doozy. I'll be at the National Rodeo Finals that weekend, be at the UFC, getting some business interviews for you guys for the business episodes. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right. God damn, what a show we got today. We got some NBA, we got some NBA, Um, some news around the league, brutal, brutal news for the Denver Nuggets, this guy was going to be the guy that was going to take him to the next level, but Michael Porter Jr. has been known with his back injuries, having an issue, he's out for the year, tough, tough loss for the Nuggets. PJ Dozier, also out for the year with an ACL injury, hate to see it. LeBron James just today entering COVID protocols. He's going to be out a minimum 10 games. The Lakers are already off to a slow start. Can't afford that. The Bucks, not good. I have Brooke Lopez on my fantasy team, so this doesn't make me feel very good. Uh, They're signing Boogie Cousins to the team for some big boy backup. The Nets also without one of their starters. Joe Harris is announced out four to eight weeks. They They think it could be on the shorter end of that spectrum, but tough loss for them. He's a good, you know, spread it out, shoot him out, uh, guard. The young stud Jalen Suggs, who I thought could have been still the draft fractures his thumb. He's going to be out for some time for the magic. And other than that, I got some power rankings. I mean, we look at the league, nothing too crazy. Nets first in the East, the Bulls second, Miami three, you know, wizards four. I do expect them to fall. With all the adversity that the Bucks have endured, they're five, the uh, Hornets six, Knicks seven, Philly eight, you would expect them to climb, Cleveland nine, Atlanta ten. And then the people out of the playoff running, or you know, the, the playoff game to get in the playoffs, Boston right outside, Toronto right outside. You'd think they'd find a way to get in there. You know, maybe Cleveland falls out, who knows? But hey, Washington's putting up a run. You know, the, the the Raptors are nine and twelve, the Celtics eleven and ten. Can't be playing like that forever. In the West, the top two teams seem to be in a league of their own. The Sun or Warriors one, Suns two, they're playing right now. I wanna go watch. <laughs> uh the Jazz three, Mavericks four, Clippers five, Timberwolves six, Lakers seven, Memphis eight, Nuggets nine, Blazers ten, and I expect the teams that are outside to be outside The West is pretty similar to what it should be. But I got my power rankings for y'all. My power rankings, pretty straightforward, just like how I rank them within the NFL. So there is some end of season things here. I have Warriors 1, Suns 2, Nets 3, Heat 4, Jazz 5. The Warriors, they're playing great ball. They're going to get Wiseman back. They're going to get Clay back. They're in the G League now. They'll be back before Christmas, as I expected. The Suns playing good ball. It's transferred from, from over from last season. The Nets, they have KD. No, they have James Harden. I would expect Kyrie to come back. If not, they're going to fall on that list. The Heat, solid unit. Have the mix of youth. They have Kyle Lowry on the team now. They're going to be tough to beat. And my Jazz, five. I think those four are really in their league of their own right now. The Jazz, you know, me being a fan, I could be harsh on them. They're, they're figuring things out. They're they're having lapses in their play. They're not winning the must-win games. They're losing to the, the fucking Pelicans, the Magic. Like, it's making me sick. Uh, but Rudy Gay does look like a perfect fit. They get momentum going. The playoffs are still one of the hardest teams to beat. But I am underwhelmed by them and a little upset as a fan. I have Bucks 6, Bulls 7, Mavs 8, Wizards 9, Clippers 10, Sixers 11, Hornets 12, Celtics 13, Hawks 14, Knicks 15, Cavs 16, T Wolves 17, Nuggets 18, Blazers 19, Lakers 20. Pretty crazy that I, you know, if you would have told me I'd have the Blazers, Nuggets, Cavs, and T Wolves ahead, I'd be like, shit, son. Cavs playing good ball. They got a lot of big guys playing good defense. They lost Sexton for the year. That's brutal. Um, so debatably I could put, I could have them lower, but they're playing good ball right now. 21 Grizz, 22 Raptors, 23 Pacers, 24 Kings, 25 Spurs. Then I have Pelicans, Thunder, Pistons, Rockets, Magic at the bottom. So what did we miss since last week? Well, let me see right now. Suns are up three points, almost into half. That's going to be a good game. I'll see the second half. So since last week, on Friday, no games on Thursday. It was Thanksgiving. I guess we had Wednesday. So Wednesday, we had the Nets beat the Celtics 123-104. to James Harden, triple-double, 27... Oh, almost a triple-double. 20 points, 7 rebounds, 11 assists. The Lakers escaped the Pacers in overtime. LBJ, 39 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists. Brogdon, 28-7-2 and in defeat. Um, the Raptors beating the Grizzlies on the road. Fred Van Fleet 23-6-7. and Jaw had 23-6-9. and Jaw is now out for some time. He was my first fantasy pick. Brutal, brutal loss for me. Uh, the Warriors beat the 76ers by 20. Steph Curry, 25-4-10. and 10. Seth Curry 24-2. and two. A Little brotherly love. And this was before Joel Embiid came back that weekend. What else did we have? The Spurs beating the Celtics at home, uh, DeJounte Murray, ex-Seattle boy, 29-11-6. Jason Tatum, 24-12-2 in defeat. The Bucks beat the Nuggets on the road, Giannis, 24-13-7. Aaron Gordon, 18-9. The Warriors beat the Trailblazers at home, Steph Curry, cooking, 32-7-8. Anthony Simons, 19-6-2. The Kings beating the Lakers in triple overtime. I think I missed this. I don't didn't see that. Uh, DeAndre or De'Aaron Fox, 34, 6, and 8. They need him back to be playing Fox level ball. Uh, obviously, three overtimes inflated his numbers. Uh, but Westbrook, triple-double, 29, 10, and eleven. On Saturday. The Suns beat the Nets on the road. Devin Booker, 30 points, one rebound, four assists. KD, 39, 9, and 7. Big win for the Suns on the road. They're hot, man. Hot as the sun. Uh, the Wizards beating the Mavericks on the road. Bradley Bill, 26 5 and 7. Luka, 33 4 and 10 in defeat. On Sunday, the Warriors winning again in LA against the Clippers on the road. Steph, still cooking, 33 5 and 6. PG, 30 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. The Celtics beating the Raptors on the road, got revenge. Marcus Smart, 21-8-6. Fred Van Fleet, 27-6-3 in defeat. On Monday, the Nuggets beating the Heat on the road. Nikola Jokic, 24-15-7. and 7. They were celebrating their birthday downtown Miami after all the beef from the last game. Bam Adebayo, 24-13-6 and 6 on the road, or in defeat. <laughs> Big line by Bam. The Jazz beat the Trailblazers at home, finally putting it together. Rudy Gobert, the Stifle tower, 21.16 rebounds. Playing, you know, I don't know if you could up your level of defense, but he's playing the best defense of his career. About to uh, get four-time. He's about to be the four-time DPOY. <coughs> um, Portland, Yosef Nurchik led the way 24-10 in defeat. Yesterday, or, oh, it's today. Hey. Earlier today, the Nets beating the Knicks on TNT doubleheader. James Harden, 34-10-8. and eight. Julius Randle, 24-9-8. And, and then the Grizzlies beating the Raptors without jaw on the road. Jaron Jackson, 25-6. and six. Pascal Siakam, 20-6 and six in defeat. And the Warriors are up by one at half. We'll talk about that next week. More, more basketball. We got college hoops, baby. Jimmy, Dickie Vitell, we got the hoops. You gotta love it, baby. So, looking at the rankings and some league news, if I can pull it up here. Should have closed it. College hoops, man. We got some squads this year. Last year, I feel like You know, Baylor, Gonzaga was there, but there's a a good amount of some solid fucking squads this far. It's hella early. We'll see what happens, but I'm liking it. It's going to be a fun March Madness because a lot of these teams are either already playing really good ball. I don't see how they can improve or they have a lot that they can improve. So looking at the rankings, I definitely think Texas is overrated. You know, again, maybe it's that they burned me in the tournament last year. I don't see them with the playmakers that they have. They don't have the Mo- Evan Mobley anymore. Um, they don't have some of their playmakers, and I just don't. I just even looking at the scores, I, it just doesn't feel right. Doesn't seem like they're playing high level ball. You know, they are four and one, ranked number seven, so I think they're overrated. Uh, BYU at twelve, they're six and zero. They moved up six spots. I think they're overrated. Uh, Houston as well. Houston's fifteen. They dropped three spots, and then Arkansas. You know, have I watched Arkansas? Not necessarily, but like Arkansas basketball? Ranked number 10? Shoot. You know, that's like almost I don't believe it until I see it. Uh, but the new top teams obviously easily accessed. You've probably already seen it. Duke number one, 7-0. and Big, big win against Zaga. We'll talk about it. Purdue number two, Zaga three, Baylor four, UCLA five, Villanova six. All six of those teams, I think anyone could win it. To be honest, I would say Baylor probably is out of that. I I have five solid teams. Duke, Purdue, Zega, UCLA, Nova, all are going to be dead-ass tough to beat. I do think UConn's underrated still. Uh, UConn's a fun team. They did drop a game, uh, but I do think they are underrated. So let's talk about what's happened since last week. Well, on Wednesday last week, Houston destroyed Oregon. They said, yo, yo overrated, bruh. Um, Oregon is three and three now. Houston five and one. Um, Not really anything that sticks out on the box score. The Houston squad was led by Fabian White Jr. 15.7 rebounds. He was three for six from downtown. Uh, UConn beating Auburn in double overtime. This was a fun one. Uh, Back and forth affair. UConn. Had a couple ballers. Adama Sonogo. He is a sophomore. Had 30 points. Six rebounds. Uh, was Did have eight turnovers, which isn't great. RJ Cole, though. Stud. 47 minutes he played in this game. 24.6 assists. He was 5 of 10 from three. And then they had... Tyler Polly off the bench with 24 points as well. Again, double overtime, boosted their numbers a little bit. And for Auburn, Katie Johnson, 27 points, two for four from three in defeat. Um, uh, Florida beating Ohio State 71 to 68. EJ Liddell leading the team per usual, 23 points in the loss. And for Florida, a well-rounded team affair. But off the bench, Flanders Fleming Jr. What a name! Flanders with the P H. Uh, he's a senior at Athens, Georgia. Nineteen points in the victory. Xavier was twenty-five at the time. Dropped to a perfect Iowa State team. Isaiah Brockington thirty-point six rebounds for Iowa State, and Jack Nungi for Xavier twenty-four and four. So good, little bit of action before Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving, the only thing of note: Baylor playing tight with VCU. They won sixty-nine to sixty-one. Iona upsetting Bama seventy-two to sixty-eight. Javon Quinnerly with fifteen points and Jaden Shackle, um, Shackleford nineteen points, ten rebounds in the loss. Iona, well-rounded team in this game. But uh, Nellie Jr. Joseph with 15 points, 11 rebounds in the victory. And then UConn dropping a tight one to Michigan State, obviously playing off double overtime, probably a little bit tired legs. R.J. Cole not playing as many minutes after playing 47 minutes. Um, they were led by Tyrese Martin with 16 points, 12 rebounds. Michigan State was led by... Gabe Brown, 16 points, 10 rebounds as well. The Spartys getting the upset. On Friday, big, big game. Massive game. I thought UCLA-Gonzaga was going to be the better game, to be honest. But that wasn't the case. Duke. I thought Gonzaga, once they beat UCLA that way, I was like, damn, they're going to win out the whole thing, put them in the bracket. And the Dukies, man, led by Seattle's own... Paolo, Banchero, 21 points, 5 rebounds. All those points first half, he was battling cramps the second half. They still got the dub. Um, Wendell Moore Jr. with 20 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. We were playing a little bit of dominoes while watching this game, and it was a doozy, man. Um, Really, it's like the top two picks, Holmgren and Paolo. Holmgren had 16.7 rebounds but uh, Gonzaga was led by Julian Strother who had 20 points, 10 rebounds. The Zags aren't undefeated, uh, unbeatable though. That, that, that's a big takeaway. Baylor blows out Michigan state after um, they upset UConn. Dayton upending the Jayhawks 74 to 71. They were led by Duren Holmes. The second 16 points, uh, uh, Oshbaji had 21 points, 2 for 6 for 3 for um, Kansas, and McCormick only with 5 points. Brutal game for him. Saturday, the Bonnies lost to Northern Iowa. Tried telling you guys they're overrated. Proof in the pudding. Sunday, Villanova blows out LaSalle. Let's go, baby. I'm just kidding. Um, no upsets there, nothing of note. Lopsided games, lopsided games. Gonzaga did play somewhat close with a 1-6 Tarleton team on Monday. Today, right now, Duke is beating Ohio State 53-47. to 47. Purdue blew out Florida State. Jaden J- Ivey, 18.6 rebounds. He's going to be a stud. Let's see what uh, Paolo's doing so far. 10 points thus far in the game. He's 4-10. A little bit of a rougher start. What a show. What a show. Sports this past week was damn near at its peak. And we still got the hot stove. God damn, The stove is hot. Daniel Hudson, one year, seven million to the Dodgers. Good good arm for them. My Angels lose Alex Cobb. He goes to the Giants. Big win for them. I, I expect him to have a big year. The Braves signed Kirby Yates, two years, $8.2 million, getting a good closer potential. Shohei Otani, more awards. The Edgar Martinez Outstanding DH Award. Rack them up, baby. The one guy that I wanted goes to Seattle, so I'll see him. I got season tickets because you get season tickets, you get all-star tickets. I never thought I'd see an all-star game in my life. Give me some season tickets. Uh, Robbie Ray, five years, $115 million. That's a good affordable contract for Seattle. Supposedly he was going to visit the, the Angels, but the Mariners did whatever they had to do. That's what you get for waiting. Steven Matz to the Cardinals, four years, $44 million. Michael Waka, one year with the Red Sox. Eduardo Escobar, two years, $20 million for the Mets. The Mets went ham and supposedly they're not done. Matt Connor to the Mets. Starling Marte to the Mets, four years, $78 million. The Mariners also get Adam Frazier in a trade with the Padres for Ray Kerr and Corey Rozier. Hector Neres for the Astros, uh, a good bullpen backup piece. The Rays sign Corey Kluber. The Twins extend Byron Buxton, seven years, $100 million for a guy that hasn't even played a full season, but an athletic freak. The Marlins sign of Sale Garcia, Four-year, $53 million. Kevin Gossman signs five years, $110 What the hell did he sign? I didn't write it on here. Is it the Mets or some shit? Oh, the Blue Jays. They wanted Gossman over A. They paid more for him. Actually, the Mariners paid more for him than they did for Gossman, so. Shit, they might have snaked it. Cole Calhoun, ex-Angels, signing with the Rangers. The Rangers made moves. They got John Gray, four years, fifty-six million. Uh, Max Scherzer to the Mets, three year, hundred thirty million. The Angels signed potential two-way star Michael Lorenzen. Supposedly he's going to be a, a pitcher in the rotation. We'll see. Corey Seager, ten years, three hundred and twenty-five million to the Rangers. The AFs or the um, AL West making moves. Javi Baez to the Tigers, six-year, $140 million. The Cubs sign Yan Gomes, two years, $13 million. That must mean that William Wilson Contreras is going to be traded. They also got Clint Frazier, who was released by the Yankees to a one-year contract. Owners announced that they sneakily had two different baseballs and weight and shit last year. This is my biggest issue. The balls are so noticeably different from year to year. I have two different balls that I've got a home run ball and a foul ball from two different years. You could tell one's way slicker, more tighter laces, harder for pitchers. They tried two different balls. Like, dude, keep the fucking baseball the same. That's going to affect the play. It drives me nuts. And the fact that they did that sneakily blows my mind. But yeah, uh, Max Scherzer, the Mets, the Mets are spending, they're trying to compete. The Rangers deciding to try to go for it. I don't know how, like as a analyst, how I feel about that. If they're really going to be competitive, but it puts them in position. Uh the Mariners making moves are gonna be a solid team in the next year or two. And yeah, my Angels missing out on pitching. Fuck. Let's see. Right now, any updates on Angels pitchers? The, the deadlines tonight. Nope. I don't see shit. Basketball, basketball. Yankees, Tender Gary Sanchez. Oh, damn it, dude. If I don't wake up to the Angels signing Marcus Stroman, I'm gonna be pissed. Or re-signing Raziel Iglesias, and then in some other news, of course, Messi, another Golden Goat. He got his Ballon d'Or award, which is the re- which is a record for seven, and he's the world's best player again. And the Penguins selling to Fenway Sports Group for nine hundred million dollars. Why them? Why them? That's all I gotta say. But that's it. Episode fifty-seven. I'm going to Vegas next week, UFC 269, some business episodes coming your way. But again, check out fieldsupplements.com. You need some protein, you need some subs, you need to sleep better, you need some, you know, some greens, whatever it is. Check them out. Use my promotion code buckets for 15% off and we'll see y'all next week.